running. I feel like I need a straw for my beer. Nobody needs a straw for their beer, honey. Well, because my microphone. It's a good way to get booted off the podcast. Because of my microphone. I don't want to interfere. For a year, Peter and I have figured out a way to make it work without a straw. Yeah. Managed. (laughs) Where is this guy? What should we talk about behind his back? Um... I don't know. I mean, you already talked about his tiny hands tonight. That's pretty much the main thing. Oh, my God. I did not. Not in like a bad way. I just, <laughs> it was an anecdote. Somebody was like, I know somebody who broke their wrists. And do I was you like, think, I do too. And his hands didn't grow. Do you think he's a gypsy? Or a carny? The carnies have like small hands. Smelling According cabbage. to Austin Powers. That's the, I don't think Peter smells like cabbage. But that's the first time I heard of such a thing. I didn't know that was a... Like a thing about carnies, that they had small hands. Oh, yeah. Or smelled like cabbage. I know about the smelled like cabbage thing. I feel like that's kind of racist. Or Why do you think that uh, carnies would have small hands generally? Because they're inbred folk? Is that sort of what they're trying to get at? I don't know. People also say that about gypsies. And and I think the gypsies... As in like travelers? They're just travelers. Like a gypsy doesn't have a physical disposition. But that's right. why they're, they're good at stealing things because they have small hands. They're like known pickpockets. Well, I think at some point, like long, thin fingers would come in handy for stealing things. Yeah, like like yours. Like me and E.T. Thief, you you stole my heart. E. Aw. Yeah. Aw. See, this is the kind of shit that happens when Peter doesn't show up. Yeah, this is a whole. Different this is a podcast of- called The Big Four with Ron and Kate. <laughs> It's a whole different kind of podcast tonight. <laughs> your uh, your fans well, are going to be. I'm sorry, honey, but this is a lot more boring. I don't think anybody wants to hear gypsy small hand talk. That's not the target audience of our podcast. You know what gypsies are probably good at? Mm-hmm. Fisting. Oh, my God. <laughs> because of small hands. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for that image. Welcome. Well, we always need a little thing, like a little banter before we start the show. I guess this is as good as any. Your background looks good with those tropical plants behind you and the hanging lamp and the swing. Yeah. It really looks like you live in a hipster loft somewhere. Yeah, the the warehouse loft I thought was working for me. Yeah, it's definitely like a warehouse loft look. Meanwhile, I look I, like I'm in some sort of grandma's cottage. Do you think Peter's going to be the now it's one just Now it's that? just the podcast is just you and I. God, this oh, was your plan all along, wasn't it? Did you text him <laughs> and tell him not to come on? I drugged him. <laughs> oh, no. That's it. You're going to get your weird relationship podcast after all. Yes. 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 Hmm. Is he generally late for your podcast? No. Or is he generally just, right uh, on time. You think he's, he's dead? Just, he's kind of playing hard to get because your girlfriend's here. Yeah. It's like those two will talk for a while and. What he doesn't know is that we're all talked out. <laughs> that will be the concept of our very first podcast, if communication. He if he doesn't get her soon, I'm going to have to start talking about pieces. When you're planning on having friends over and instead all you can do is sit there and stare at your significant other and hope to God they show up. <laughs> oh, honey, it's true. What? <laughs> I have never once felt that way, but hmm, maybe we have more to talk about than we thought. Join us next week. 
it's funny talking to you like this. It really is. It's like we're, uh, I don't know, dating during COVID or something. We dated during COVID. No, I like newly dating and living in like a big city. And like, you know, we just met on right. Tinder or something, but we're both careful about COVID. Let, let's, let's just call Peter on online. Yeah, do it. You're going to make an internet call? Oh, you're calling on yeah. your phone. <laughs> okay. Call it like, hold on. Your hands look huge. Those are not, not gypsy hands. Jesus. Can you hear me? Uh, you're you're live on the big four zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I sent it. I sent it to you and Kate. So maybe it's in your spam. I don't know. Who is Pete? Oh no, I've been back. I sent the thing out at uh, before I left. I was really responsible, like four o'clock or something. All right. <laughs> oh, there he is. Oh, here he comes. Hey, gang. PC hey, Inferno. Peter. Sorry about that. <laughs> she just put out your whole uh, email <laughs> to the, the interwebs. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't tell everyone that you're still using Hotmail. That was. That's your. Secret. No, that's yeah. I use Yahoo. Shush! Not... <laughs> oh my God, she gave you out. Oh no. <laughs> Sorry, we can edit that in post. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be a lot of editing already. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> How was dinner? Uh, with Graham, with Carm, yeah. pretty good. It was not just yeah, Carm, Carm was and a Mom. Bonus Debbie. Oh wow. Carmen, Carmen, Mom at Carabas. Uh, I got the lasagna, which they always make fun of me for, but that's all I ever fucking get when I go there. It's true. Carabas. We had our, we had my favorite waiter of all time ever, who seems like a character from Mad Men, but yet he's a waiter at Carabas. Yeah. It's was this the one in Brookfield or the one over by uh, Southridge? Brookfield. Okay. Yeah, we don't go to the South <laughs> unless you have to, right? Only if you have to, right. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I will start us off as always then. This is a podcast called The Big 4-0 with Ron and Peter. I'm Ron. I'm Peter. Every week, we take a look at a movie that came out this week, 40 years ago. This week, it's uh, September 23rd of 1983. The movies are The Big Chill and Pieces. And joining us this week, we have our, what is this, our third guest host? This is our third, third time we've had a guest host? Yep. It's our third guest host, and probably our best guest host, <laughs> the uh, uh, illustrious Miss Ron. Kate, say hi. Hello. Say hi to the fans. Hello, hello, fans. She's so much more, uh, what's the word, regal than us? <laughs> very, <laughs> very much more. Breathy, breathy. We'll see how it devolves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Kate, you wanna you wanna like give a, a a background story on yourself, or should we just? Oh shit! <laughs> I did I did not prepare a statement. I uh. Kate, I give I... us your top five favorite movies of all time. Oh shit! Really? Um... We'll just give five five of them, and see if we'll see how you fit within the confines of this podcast. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I'm I'm a huge fan of What About Bob. Can't get enough of that. Okay. Movie. Um. Well, Peter gave I, a thumbs up. He's into it. Nope. I like. I like The Big Chill. The Big Chill is a perennial favorite of mine. That's um, a top five. What a spoiler. I, I mean, think nobody's so. going yeah, <laughs> to wonder what you Sorry have to say coming out of the gate. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's a love-hate relationship, but it's one of my favorites. Um, God, you're really love, putting hate. on the spot, huh? All right. 
Yeah, you really put me on the spot. I don't know. I'll just I'll, I'll come on. You. I'll report back by the end of the episode. It'll keep people really oh my God. wondering. Well, you know, I I just figure people want to know what what they're getting into with the uh, the guest hosts and what their um, you know, background and likes dislikes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Tell us. <laughs> Peter, you ask her a question. You're a co-host of this podcast. (laughs) What kind of movies do you absolutely despise? Oh, um, yeah. I'm not a big like science fiction fan, fantasy. Don't like those. All right. Fair enough. Peter and I used to think that way too until we saw Deathstalker and realized it was exactly we've ever seen. So there's always room. Sorcery guys now. Yeah, now now it's all sword and sorcery shit. Yeah. As long as there's boobs. I'm yep. excited about that for you guys. Doesn't surprise me In at Peter's all. case, rapes. <laughs> Given yeah. that you're, you're both broadcasting from basements, that's not at all surprising. <laughs> not our mom's basements. But... No, no. Our very own basements that we went yeah, out exactly. and got. Well, I'm, I'm not in my very own basement. I'm just... <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> all right. So I, we should start with the big chill, I suppose. Uh, for just initial thoughts on the big chill, have you guys seen it before? Do you have you like Peter? I always, Kate, I always ask Peter if he's seen the movie before, uh, if it's something he has liked for forty years, or if it's the first time he's watched it. I already know you've seen it before, um, but and you've just basically spoiled that it's one of your favorite movies. So Peter, <laughs> have you seen? <laughs> The big I, chill um, before. I saw the big chill once in about 1990, which I've noticed is starting to become a trend with me. Is a lot of these movies I watched in about 1990 and never watched again. Um, my parents, my mom especially, were huge fans of this movie, and uh, my mom would play the soundtrack incessantly in her Ford Escort on the uh, cassette <laughs> player. <laughs> yeah, my mom had a Ford Escort too. Really. The hatchback, yeah, we had the the little oh, old wow. one in yeah. 1980, yep. who knows, five or something. Yeah, yep. was it red? Uh, it was red. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> my dad called it. My dad called it the stress court because my mom drove it. So he and my mom stressed my dad out. So he called it the stress court. <laughs> Kate, how about you guys? You had a Ford Escort. Uh, we did not have a foreign escort. My we we my family had a deep connection to the Big Chill, which for reasons I will get into at some point, I'm sure. Uh, the soundtrack wow. was pretty much the soundtrack of my life as a child. Um, my mom's from Detroit, so all the Motown music was, you know, they were big fans of that. We listened to a lot of Motown, and Big Chill is a good way to get a lot of Motown all at once on one tape. Uh, which we listened to in our yeah. Ford Fairmount, followed by oh. our Volkswagen Jetta. Oh, close enough. I mean, a yeah, Ford and I mean, Ford, a Jetta is yeah. basically an Escort. Yeah, right. So Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if I'm going to have as much to say about this as you guys who have like such a uh, childhood connection and uh, parental connection to this film. But um, yeah, you, you guys, you can you can go off. Uh, all right. Um, Peter, so the the big chill, it came out on September 28th, 1983. I know I said September 23rd. That must be our second film, which is Pieces, which we'll get to. Uh, but this movie, um, I have seen it once, I think. And I think it was one of those movies I just forced myself to watch because I'd always heard about it. I don't have a connection to it. Didn't watch it when I was a kid. Um, 
do love the soundtrack, was probably more aware of the soundtrack than the movie itself. And like you, Peter, it's probably been, I don't know about 1990, but maybe 2000 or something is where I finally watched it. I thought when Kate and I sat down to watch it a couple days ago that I had seen it in the last five years or so, but a lot of stuff really didn't ring a bell. So I think it's been longer 25 years or something since i've seen it yeah so okay uh all right what do you what do you want to do you want me to go through it you want to go through it should we just like talk about stuff we like about it you guys seem to be more into it than me (laughs) but but i've i've got notes you know i've I've got stuff to say as as usual but we i mean i could just give i'll give the general plot and then we can talk about what we thought about it and go from there all right you're you're uh, a great summarizer <laughs> yeah right so uh summarizer. you are yeah oh thank you there's yeah, uh better than me well, I, I get all distracted and start going off on weird tangents and <laughs> shouting about <laughs> weird shit right. that has nothing to do with the movie yeah <laughs> you're, so um the there's a uh, eight eight friends well seven seven friends and then a uh an add-on to the uh to the group um they lose one of their best friends from college they are all um, of the baby bo- baby boomer era, um, much like our parents' age, pretty much. I know Ron, you got a little bit younger or had a younger mom, but I don't know about your dad. But yeah, essentially these are baby boomers, and uh, they uh, want lose one of their best friends for, due to a suicide, and they all go down to uh, South Carolina for the funeral, uh, and um, that is where. Kevin Klein and Glenn Close live in a big, beautiful plantation house, and Kevin Klein's very rich. And um, it's kind of just really about them spending the weekend together. And for the most part, it's a lot of the catching up, and then it's a lot of them discussing their lives and what went right, what went right, and what went wrong, and right. uh, a lot of philosophizing, if you will. I know Ron doesn't like meat and potatoes, so I'll say that's the crux of the movie. <laughs> uh, it's not that I don't like it; we just say it too much. Right, no, right. Uh, what do I say? Like, yeah, you that 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 was good. See, I didn't even pick up that you're in South Carolina. I didn't count how many people were there. See, you're you're the uh, the statistician that holds this fucking podcast. <laughs> yes. So, uh, well, all right, guys, we all went to high school together, right? So, do you guys think we would have a similar scenario if we had a mutual friend die and had to hang out with four or five old high school friends or couples or, or whatever this, you said it's eight, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, right. and I know we all had different friends and friend groups, so maybe it's not technically a, a, a one-to-one thing for, for all of us, but in broad strokes, do you think if something like this happened at our age and we all went to a funeral for, you know, a person who either committed suicide or died or whatever, do you think that this kind of shit would happen? Or do you think everybody is actually pretty normal and would act normal around their spouses and you would just have a, a basic funeral weekend and go home and be like, whatever. <laughs> Kate, I'll <laughs> let you answer that one first. Oh, jeez. <laughs> jeez. Um, well, I, I guess my answer is that I, I do think that is what happens. I think that it doesn't even have to be a funeral necessarily, but I do think when you reconnect with people that you knew during your youth, during your college years, while you were figuring out who you were, that, you know, it's just a different connection than you have with people that you 
connect with later in life. And I think the three of us are an example of that, right? Like we didn't talk all through our kind of twenties and thirties. And then we came back together as friends in our late thirties. And it was sort of like, even though we didn't really know each other, there's this special connection that makes it super easy to reconnect and also makes you sort of reflective on where was I at when we knew each other previously and what's happened since and leads to deep conversations about that. So I think it's pretty true in, in that sense. Yeah. Right. I agree. I totally you know, agree. I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't saying it to be like, I wasn't a setup. Shit. I like, <laughs> no, no. I, yeah, I think, I think it, it totally would happen. And I don't know if it would all, all play out over the course of three days where everybody's like bearing their souls and there's all these revelations and stuff like that. But I think you might go home and realize this, that, and the other thing, or you might, uh, just one person might reconnect with another person or one person might squash some issue they had with another person, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a big thing where everybody's learning about themselves. But I definitely think if you have a bunch of unsaid things or whatever kind of issues, and then you see those people after however many years, I think that's a probably a profound thing. Even, even if you don't say or do anything about it, I think there's a, a natural sort of, it's good to have like seen that person and talk to him and, and yeah. maybe, you know, put, put some stuff yeah. behind you. So even like even our, know. uh, Oh, go ahead, Kate. I was going to say, I think even if you don't even have necessarily things to put behind you, I mean, Peter and I knew Peter and I have known each other since we were, how old Peter six, something like that. Probably. Yeah. Somewhere we around lived, there. Yeah. Our houses were back to back with each other. We've never had like a specific issue. We weren't particularly close, but there's a different thing. Sorry, on this podcast, we call it ass to ass. <laughs> also, also, was this prior to Peter breaking his wrist? Because that came up while you were off, Mike, Peter. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. uh, this would have been prior, I believe, because you moved for you moved down. Stoll, or no, you when did you live on Stoll then? I well, so I lived on Prospect when you lived on Stoll. So okay. our houses were were butt buddies by Ron's definition. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, thanks so, everybody. And then I moved, and <laughs> then and then later I moved down Stoll. But yeah, so you and I lived behind each other. We mm-hmm. kind of knew a lot of the same neighborhood kids. We when we would ride our bike around the block, I'd ride by Peter's house. Peter would ride by my house. So we kind of just knew each other in that way. Um, but you know, I I think that though we didn't have anything to your words are on squash or really like process with each other. There's well, a different that, Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's what this movie is about, right? It's not it's yeah. not I'm not like I'm not saying everybody who gets together has to like, you know, deal with some deep seated angst or secret or or whatever from their their childhood or their twenties or thirties. I'm just saying that's 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 what this movie posits. That is what, I that's my argument posits. is my argument is, yes, you can catch up with people and it doesn't even have to be a, a bad thing or, or maybe you didn't realize you like this person or maybe you didn't realize you had issues with this person or whatever it is. And then you see him after all those years. And then uh, even if you don't do anything at the at the, the funeral or the, the, the reunion or the weekend or whatever the thing is, like, I think that can change you going forward when you go home and then you realize like, oh, shit, I've, I've got all this stuff that I've actually been thinking and feeling. Yeah, and I mean, first back to these people. Yeah. And I can sure. speak to just even our, our 20 year reunion. I hadn't seen Ron in probably, I don't even know how many years at that point. And Kate, the same with you. Um, but in the, the six years <laughs> since, since then, uh, that obviously we've, we've, uh, we've got a new, a newfound relationship of sorts, you know, and, 
We, and, defi- uh, we definitely and that's do. A, that, yeah, and that's, uh, right. and that's a good thing. Like we do, we we do host a successful podcast. But. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my question is: so you you all get together after not seeing each other for however long because somebody died, and then you all decide to stay at your friend's lake house, and then all of a sudden, like all this stuff just comes out over the course of two days. Um, I'm wondering if that is necessarily I think, a I think thing the, that would go down. I think, <laughs> right. it's the, I think it's the confluence of two factors. I mean, I, I think that reconnecting with people that you had a previous connection with is one thing. I also think that there's an intensity to, you know, we, we just over Labor Day weekend spent the weekend with Ron's sister and brother-in-law and the, another couple. And, you know, I didn't know them. And we talked about deep stuff because when you're with people for three or sure. four days, you get into these like, deep conversations that you yeah. don't have when you're just going out to dinner with another couple or whatever. So, you know, I, yeah, I, think, true, it's, I, I think it's realistic because of both yeah. of those things. It's, it's you know, a combination of those two factors. Sure. One thing I uh, I kind of drew a um, parallel with with this movie was The Breakfast Club in that it's very dialogue driven. It's it's people in, in close quarters, just letting it all out good or bad. And, you know, the, and that's, uh, something I kind of, I know breakfast clubs a couple of years later in a very different movie and different ages of people, but it's a similar premise in that you get all these people together, whether they know each other or not, there's, like you said, there's bound to be a deep discussion if you spend long enough. Especially yeah, if you're like I mean, smoking weed and doing quaaludes and drinking, and, right. you know, all the other shit, doing coke, all yeah. the stuff they were doing that weekend, right? So that's gonna yeah. that's gonna fuel those conversations, probably. Yeah, William Hurt could come oh. to any party I ever <laughs> would go to. <laughs> just because he's got drugs, or because you actually want to hang with William Hurt? Both. <laughs> just, both. just for the drugs, or, or both. Yeah, yeah no. just for drugs. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Uh, I mean, let's let's back up to the beginning of the movie. So the opening credit sequence kind of lays out everyone's personality and addictions, at least in in broad strokes. Uh, I thought it was kind of on the nose and and whatnot. The the way it's filmed, it's very. Look at this. This is this person. But you know, it's it's effective and uh, it it sets out. It sets the the uh, what's the word? Lays the groundwork. I guess. Oh, lays for, the, sure. Well, Yes, it's a tone. Sure. You know, you got it. Look at you. Once again, this, the summarizer of the podcast. Uh, my first impression was that Kevin Klein is not very good in this movie. I don't know what you guys thought of Kevin Klein. Uh, that accent is terrible. His crying at the, the thing was very stagey. And then the reverend coming up at like just the right point to kind of lead him away and stuff. That was a really bad scene. And it's right at the top of the film. And um, I, was, I, was, I was a little worried coming into this one. I was like, oh, shit, is it going to be this sort of cheese ball shit all the way through and um, I, w- I won't tell you where i landed on this movie just yet but that was my first impression the the first i don't know 10 minutes of this movie i was not not feeling it so i didn't uh yeah i didn't i didn't think about that but yeah that i i think that well the crying thing i did kind of notice like it almost looked like he was laughing but i was like no he's he's crying but it yeah uh there is a couple other scenes i can think of and yes the accent was it was there sometimes why? why bother right yeah yeah exactly it was there sometimes not there the other he's obviously not southern or right whatever accent he's trying to put on there and uh just unnecessary and and distracting and yeah it's i mean a minor quibble in a good movie and, and again I, I haven't 
shown my hand on what I feel about this movie yet, but uh, it it definitely would be worse if the movie all around it was much shittier like that. Yeah, put it that way. yeah. <laughs> right. Do you think? Do you think he was the worst actor in the movie? Um, like who was least believable in their role from your perspective? Well, there I'd say everybody's very good and at least fairly convincing in their role. Kevin Klein is fine in his role. He's not convincing with his accent and his emotions. I would say, yeah, Kevin Klein is might be the weak link, and he's not bad. He got better. Like this was a the, the opening scene was just a bad scene, and like I said, it yeah. was kind of making me a little nervous. For I was like, is this going to be one of these movies that's just over dramatic, over the top, uh, whatever? Actors just trying to like get their Oscar bid by crying on cue and it, yeah. feeling very false uh it, it's not that movie um but i yeah i would i would say maybe kevin klein's my least favorite part of this movie i can tell you that i thought yeah everyone was really was was pretty good in it uh i thought Beringer and mary Kay place were probably two of the best uh, i couldn't really get into glenn close's character there was something there was something off about her in that movie totally. with me i don't totally agree. I don't quite know what All three okay of yeah well i have thoughts on behinger but i disagree about mary Kay place i next to klein she might she be the was one your elite okay uh, yeah. okay yeah yeah i, I, I thought know. i thought joe beth williams was hands down the worst for me i just could not peter we talked about joe beth williams during poltergeist and i yeah. Actually wrote down on my notes. We talked about her during Poltergeist a year ago. We said what a good actress she is. I thought it again watching this one. I like Joe Williams. I I never really cared too much about her, but I've the two movies we've seen her in for this podcast, I thought she was really good. Yeah, I'm kind of in love with her, so I'm a little partial. (laughs) uh... You know, yeah, it's Kate. I I will say that the relationship between Behringer and her we're we're getting ahead of this is is poorly (laughs) handled. Yes. Yeah. Awful. And and maybe the worst sex scene in cinema history. Well, that's maybe pushing it, but I yeah. had no idea what was happening in that scene. That, that award goes like, to Eight that... Mile, but after Eight Mile, this might be the worst. Oh, I forgot about the Eight Mile sex uh, scene. God, those was scary eyes rolling back. No, yeah. it was like in like a warehouse. Gross. Oh yeah. Okay. With Brittany Murphy or something. Yes. So bad. Yes. Uh-huh. I forgot about that. All right. Fans, we're on the big chill now. It's a whole different. Sorry. Thing. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, we've moved up. A Speaking few of that, years. all right. After, after the funeral, we get to know that you can't always get what you want thing, which is the iconic, I guess, thing about this movie, right? Everybody kind of references yeah. that. Uh, what is you can't always get what you? I meant to look this up before the podcast. Is that actually about a funeral? Like lyrically, I've never thought of it that way. But everybody's always like, "Oh, it's a it's a good funeral song or death song." Is that because of this movie, or was uh, you can't always get what you want already uh, considered a song about death and? Um, because I've heard people reference it as a good funeral song or a good death song or whatever, but the lyrics don't really, it's like I saw her day at the reception, a glass of wine in her hand. Is that a funeral reception? Yeah. Uh, I went down to the drugstore. The guy's maybe dying because he talks about, uh, you know, getting his, his, his medicine and pills. And uh, there, there's, there's certainly death in the song, but yeah. uh, I just, I wonder if the, the connection to funeral and a good funeral song comes from this movie specifically i don't know that right i'm I'm guessing it might have came after i mean the 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 wikipedia for that song says that it addresses the major topics of the 60s love politics and drugs and captures the essence of the initial optimism and eventual disillusion 
Okay, so it's so, a big broad thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the the characters in it are just, you know, uh, metaphors or right representations of. Okay, I got it. Yeah. So so I think yeah. After this movie, it it probably changed the tide of that song as being um, used as as a funeral type song but yeah. sure and, I, and anyway, I think and i think created well a done. generation of people that then like decided to pick some uh-huh. song for their funeral <laughs> as opposed to you yeah. know the typical yeah if you were 40 at at the time this movie came out you're probably like oh when i die right you can't, what like, song am i gonna pick play. yeah or yeah. what yeah. not necessarily that song but whatever song so yeah. it was a trendsetter Ooh. for funerals i think yeah, but I like the way they used it. I thought it was cool when she sat down at the organ and played it. So even though I kind of knew it was coming, I knew that that song's a big, yeah, it's a big moment uh, piece yeah. of this yeah. movie or whatever. I like the way um, they smile at each other, kind of knowing that. And and like, the way right, his favorite song. And yeah. the way the way they link it from the organ to actually playing the song and all the headlights coming mm-hmm. on. It's just it's a cool transition. I like that. Yeah, it's a cool scene for sure. Well done by uh, director Lawrence Casson, who we'll get into. I got a lot of thoughts on on him, but um, all right, Berenger, Peter, uh, he <laughs> is good in this, but he's a very different actor. Uh, he he ended up being a very different actor. Yes, down the road, right? Like yeah. this is this is a weird. It's weird to see him like this. He's he's very I reserved, totally quiet, and and yeah. good. I, I think he's good, but then Major League is kind of a comedy, and then he started doing all these things like. Uh, uh, sniper and the substitute and these kind of melodramatic dramas and action movies and and uh it, he's he's like a whole different guy you remember the movie shattered where he's yeah like got in the car accident and couldn't remember who he was and um that, that's a fun movie but very over the top very weird and i don't know he seems like such a natural actor in this i don't know why he didn't didn't do more of this kind of stuff and pivoted into kind of over the top weirdo shit yeah, he got his but... he got his start. Well, one of his first roles uh, was on General Hospital, and um, so the, you, okay. you kind of can see a little bit of that in some of the. Well, there's a lot of scenes that I was kind of like, this is kind of soap opera ish. Um, right. But yeah, I totally agree that like the way Berenger is in this movie is so different than anything you've seen him in. Uh, after right. that because he's essentially like he's playing a character who plays essentially like magnum pi right that's mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. what, what jt yeah, lancer yeah lancer yeah yeah but you know mustache big hair he's jumping into ferraris and stuff like that it's it's essentially magnum but then he, the the guy in the house and, and the guy who he is is just very chill and uh yeah i i liked it i thought he was he was good at that but he never really played a a role like that again after this it was all this yeah i wonder how much of that i wonder how much of that is appearance based i mean he was so like kind of young and fresh-faced and innocent looking in this movie and he aged into his face pretty quickly after that Um, well that's another thing i'd like to talk about hollywood do you think anybody in this movie is really young and fresh faced and innocent looking? Like, well, I watch these movies from this time where people are supposed to be thirty years old yeah. and they look like they're fucking fifty. And I, I assume we are, we all look <laughs> ten years younger than them, even though right. maybe we don't or whatever. But just the hair, the facial hair, the clothes, everything—they all look so old. I mean, I, I, yeah, I thought he looked the youngest of anyone in the movie. I mean, Glenn Close looked young just because I think of her as old, but. Everyone I think else. a mustache and big hair really just ages a person, yeah. no matter who you are. Yeah. If you got like a bush broom mustache and a like a 
whatever mullet or I don't know yeah. what do you would call the puffy hair that guy's had back in the it wasn't necessarily a mullet and he didn't have like a long some sort of perm back, or whatever but, yeah I don't yeah, know. like yeah. A, something like that it's yeah. so hard to separate the style right because like both Joe Beth Williams and Mary Kay Place look so old, but like so much of that is just their hair and what they're wearing. <laughs> Ugh, Mary Kay Place, we'll get to her. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but, I, I have but, a lot to say about her. <laughs> but Peter, uh, remember when we fan cast uh, Tom Berenger as the replacement for Jimmy Smith's at NYPD? I do. Blue? I do. I thought of we're that. Like, we're like, who's going to do it? And before it was Ricky Schroeder, we were all like, what's it going to be? I'm like, they should get like a. Like, what's Tom Berenger doing? I feel like yeah. he's the kind of guy who could <laughs> handle this role. And uh, I, I I believe he probably would have been good at that at, at that time. Oh, heck but yeah. Yeah. We'll never know. Alternate we'll universe. Never. Berenger <laughs> is a partner to Franz. That'd yep. be awesome. <laughs> uh, Joe Beth Williams was my next thing, but we already kind of talked about her a little bit. I was just going to mention that, yeah, she's the second thing on this podcast. And um, we both agree she's awesome. Kate, what's your problem with Joe Beth Williams? I don't, I don't, I don't not like her as an actress. I just, I don't like her in this movie. I think, I think her, and and I feel almost like they were like, okay, here's here are all the types of people that would be, you know, twenty years out oh, yeah, of college. Oh yeah, that's right? totally this movie. And so like, let's that's make her like the like stay at home mom, unhappy marriage. And who are we gonna cast? Joe Beth Williams. Like it just, <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> Well, but that's a that's a type. Would it have been better if it was uh, Glenn Close or Mary Kay Place playing that role? Does it matter? I mean, who? Well, who Mary Kay Mary Williams? Kay Place could have played that role easily. <laughs> they, I mean, they were kind of interchangeable in terms of their their style and their look. And I I think that that was a very. Oh, you know what? Now that you say it, Mary Kay Place with that dumbass haircut and whatever, she should have been the the hard up one, and Joe Beth Williams should have been the like. Well, she had she had to have DTF. short hair because she's the like don't fuck with me lawyer who can't get a man, so she's got to have short hair. Uh... How they how they rolled in the eighties, <laughs> and now and now those damn lawyers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, yeah, you don't want to fuck with a female lawyer, right, Ron? <laughs> I mean, uh, all right, no comment, no comment. Uh, <laughs> hurt hurts a, a pill head, a pothead, a cokehead, uh, every kind of head, dickhead. Uh, that yep. you know. There was that funny line I liked when he and Mary Kay Place were in the car and she made some mention that, you know, she called him and she, I forgot what she yeah. said, like, you get your shit together or whatever. And then, and she felt bad about it. And he's like, oh yeah, that's probably why he killed himself. Yeah. It's a great line. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty funny line. I love him. I, I, lo- I love that character. I think he's just like the most, like, if you're going to get high with a dude, he seems like a great dude to get high with. Yeah. I don't know. I Cause he gets all like in his head and stuff afterwards and they they eventually call him out on his bs and yeah he's kind of the one that starts the the conflict which i guess is good because then they all have it out and say what they really feel and think and stuff but um i don't know maybe getting high with a guy like that isn't always the best thing to do he's gonna <laughs> well don't don't go deep i mean don't go deep that's a good <laughs> rule of thumb well what are you gonna do have you even seen people for that's the whole crux of this movie we haven't seen each other in 20 years we got to air our grievances and we've got all this unsaid shit and i mean Hurts the one to to bring it out, I guess. But anyway, he's very good in this. Uh, and then did didn't he uh, get an Oscar for his next collaboration with Caston in uh, Excellent Tourist? Am I mistaken? Or he did he? I'm pretty sure he uh, won an Oscar for that. Okay, yeah, that's a great. Movie. I uh, that's the thing about William Hurt is I used to find him so boring, and then I saw him in History of Violence, and I loved him in that, and then I kind of went back and watch some of his stuff and and like him a lot more um unfortunately he's not with us anymore but 
Um, oh yeah, yeah I, he uh, he was definitely a um, uh, he one of those guys who had like a career resurgence or a second career in the in the two thousands. Yeah, uh, like you said, stuff like History of Violence and um, he's in the Village and Into the Wild and um, Black Widow. He was on that TV show Damages. That's just all kind of off the top of my head. But uh, but anyway, did he win an Academy Award? He won, an, I, I he won an Oscar for Kiss of the Spider Woman in 1985. Oh, that may be what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. One, uh, oh, he won a Golden Horse Award for Best best Foreign <laughs> Actor for the Accidental Terrorist. <laughs> I don't know what that is. but. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, yes, William Hurt. Uh, good stuff from him in this movie um i like that entire funeral pro- uh, processions pro- procession scene uh i like how they were you know driving and intercutting the characters talking to each other and you get to learn a little more and more about each of them uh, the movie has a good script uh, there's another couple character introduction musical montage of scenes as that scene goes along and i thought that was cool i like the way it kind of gives you the, the backstory of these guys before they get to the house and all shack up and start having all their their issues uh except for joe beth williams husband uh he's the kind of richard Richard. (laughs) he is a he's a plot device just for conflict 100 percent and yeah yeah and 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 it's no it's no knock on joe beth williams but it i think it drags her character down drags her down drags her whole thing down and even towards the end when her and behringer finally reconnect or whatever i i didn't really buy it or believe it or it seemed weird because her whole story was so cliche and and poor, obvious and, and, and poor that. richard that actor like acted it like he knew that he was like not even really a part of the movie <laughs> he just was like <laughs> going through the motions that part of the car where he just keeps like <laughs> about the friends yeah. like laughing yeah he's he's very oh. broad and over the yeah. top yeah. yeah don don galloway Richard Bowens, what did, legendary. Uh, what did he go on to do? Was this his big? Well, he died in 2009, unfortunately. But um, yeah, uh, he was he was on Ironside, the the long running TV series, and uh, he was a politically active libertarian columnist. So that know. seems like something he, Richard he would do. So that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, filmography wise, it's mostly 60s stuff. He was after Big Chili's in Two Moon Junction. He was in Clifford. Oh, I <laughs> love uh, that. I love that movie. It's maybe one of my top five. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's kind of a guilty pleasure, but it's really it's, dumb too. It's so dumb. It's so yeah. dumb. But <laughs> he was on a ton of TV shit: Mork and Mindy, Heart to Heart, Fantasy Island, Chips, uh, Knight Rider. Oh, uh, he hit all the bangers in the 80s. Yeah. 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 MacGyver, Murder, She Wrote, Matlock, Hunter, Dallas, uh, In the Heat of the Night. I mean, that guy should write so. a book. I bet he's got some stories. Those are all great he's dead. places to just show he's up very in 2009. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully he kept a journal in one of his kids' books or something. <laughs> hopefully somebody went to his funeral and played You Can't Always Get What You Want on the organ. <laughs> yeah. Right. Probably Joe Beth did. Probably every fucking person in this movie who dies is going to have that happen at the yeah. funeral. Hopefully, just gonna roll hopefully it was Derringer. And... He's just like, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know until uh, today that Tom Berenger's real name is Thomas Moore. Oh. Oh, really? Where yeah. Does, uh, where does Berenger come from? 
It's an I, choice. Yeah, I know. It says somewhere, but uh, yeah, somewhere. he selected as he's forced to change his surname as there was already a Tom Moore in the Actors Equity Association. So I don't know where he got Behringer from, but uh, there you go. So Joe Beth Williams, yeah, she she literally has a scene where she says she married him for stability, and uh, I have a stable partner to raise kids with, and he was a good father. But now I realize I'm unfulfilled, and blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, her character and her issues are the least interesting thing in this movie. Close comes close, Glenn Close. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned she's in this movie. She is. She's married to Kevin Klein. Uh, with her monologue about. You know, I don't know. Maybe I was just sick of being a good girl, doing the right thing, whatever everyone expects from me. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, I know, I know these people exist or whatever, but some of these characters in this movie are just so broad. And uh, like you said, they're just types. So you've got everybody from the, the the good girl who missed out to the person who married for security to uh, the the drug heads to the rabble rousers and yeah. and everybody's well we, we got to get into this but everybody's very successful to whatever degree in this movie so all of their problems seem very just like fuck you guys <laughs> like right. they're yeah, the kind but... of people if i went to a reunion and heard all these people complaining about the problems of their life i would, I would just walk like i would not want to be in this house with these people as much yeah. as i can relate and we all have issues and problems and i get how you i would not spend three days in the house with any of these people right and that's the risk that this movie runs is uh that you're not gonna give a shit about their problems and you know right. like it's it's a it's like we're not like it. that we can all hang out for three days and even if we get into a fight about something stupid we're not gonna be like ah fuck i think i've just wasted my life and you know i got this company that's gonna be bought for a billion dollars but jesus christ i don't know i, I just always been so good and i want to do something dangerous <laughs> well, like, who the fuck he, talks no, like that like, he, he was the only one that i'm wasn't. combining metaphors i understand you're combining I'm, characters I'm saying, like, he was the only one that I am. wasn't disenchanted <laughs> with all... his life he was happy with his life you're they right, have that. They right. have that I'm conversation. They have that conversation where Sarah Glenn Close says, "You know, I feel like I was at my best when I was with you people." And he and everyone kind of goes down this road of like, "Yeah, you know, like those were the good days." And he's the one that's like, Kasdan, Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote and directed this movie, would have been better off just leaving the Close character saying, "We had this, you know, burning, undeniable attraction, and that we finally gave into when she was talking about the affair she had with yeah, Alex. Sure. The, yeah. we, I mean, yeah. we're, we're jumping all over the fucking plot. So, Close and Klein are married. They're both friends with Alex, just like everybody else in this movie. Alex commits suicide. We find out through the course of this weekend that Close had an affair with Alex. Klein found out about it. Apparently, he was okay. They mended fences or whatever. So, Close has this monologue where she's sitting there talking about why she did it. Hence, my whole, uh, you know, I, I've always been so stable, and I just wanted to do something bad, and blah, blah, blah. But she says, like, we just had this burning, undeniable attraction that we finally gave into. Just leave it at that. We don't need to have this bullshit about how, you know, you're you're just doing what everybody else wants you to do. And that's the reason you did yeah. it. Like, that's, that's annoying. They shit. She should have just film. done that, like, shower crying scene and then, like, not really said anything the rest of the movie. Because that's such a good scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good scene. <laughs> and, like, so yeah. relatable for women. <laughs> like, that's. Yeah. Women cry in it's the relatable for men too. I agree. That is a good yeah, scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do a lot of sh- you do a lot of shower crying, honey. <laughs> no, I just meant we saw some boobs at that some point. Naked. Ah! Yeah, I knew. Only boobs in the movie. Come on. <laughs> Peter got it right away. Yeah. Um, Goldblum. 
Uh, Jeff Goldblum's in this movie. He plays a writer for a, a People type magazine. Did he flat out say it's People? Is that what he says, yep. or, or yeah. something yep. like that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's a columnist, and and again, here's another thing where it's like he's successful, but he bitches about his job. Like, oh, I'm expected to write these dumb stories, and you know, 130 words or less, or whatever. But he does say one thing that I've always said that I thought was pretty profound. He says. It's amazing tradition. They throw a great party for you the one day you they know you can't come. Uh, meaning, you know, a funeral. And I've always said yeah. it's so weird when somebody dies and then all of a sudden you're on Facebook or or just even out in real life and people start like, you know, talking about how great you are. They write this eulogy about all the things they love about you and blah, blah, blah. Nobody says that shit to you when you're alive. You never right. hear that. Nobody's in your Facebook with, oh man, you were the best friend I ever had. And and it's it's so great that uh, we had these times and this time and I'll never forget this and that. And, but then when you die, they pour that out, but you're not around to fucking hear that. Nobody right. knows. Like, you don't, you don't know what you meant to people. And unless you believe in the fact that you're just like watching over everybody and seeing this somehow uh i've always thought that's a pretty fucked up thing about the way we go about quote honoring our our, our friends and family and loved ones yeah. and stuff because you wait until you have to write a eulogy or, or type it on facebook and, and you're really just showing off for everybody else there you're not doing it for that person i mean yeah, they ain't reading it. they don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah right <laughs> right kate you like facebook thoughts wow <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I do. I, I feel. I'm like, not talking shit or putting you on the side. Don't you agree? Like I'm gonna, that's. that's I'm a, gonna say I do. I think you are a bit hypocritical, a though, because people do give each other props on social media, and you always say that when people do that in real time, it's fake as well. So I don't think you're a it is. lover of. Well, okay. So, well, it's, I'm not. I, what I think is fake is when it, somebody's like, "Oh, I'm so ugly and so fat," and then you get 40 comments. Like, no, girl, you go. You're the best. You're great. You look awesome, or whatever. And and I'm not even saying that's like not true. But I'm saying that's that's a whole different thing than just like pouring your heart out, heart out to somebody the way you would if they die. But you wait until they're dead to say those things. Like you don't have to put yeah. it on social media. In fact, don't put it on social media. But just like tell people that stuff once in a while. Like if you really think somebody is your best friend and they're super awesome and you love everything they do and you're going to miss the shit out of them when they're gone and you know, you'll never have that person to talk to you again. Fucking say that shit. Do Don't wait until they're dead and then say it in a eulogy. Or like, I tell Peter all the time how much yeah. I love him. PC, yeah. PC Inferno. Every, his, his, at, his, at the top <laughs> of this podcast, I'm always just like, Peter, you are the fucking glue holding everything together. I mean, he I don't know what I would do without me. Yeah. He, yeah, he does. And then uh, I proceed to just fucking run roughshod over. Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, like when, when people say like, oh, he always he lit up any room he walked in. Well, did that person even know that when they were around? Like, did I like? No, and that's not a thing. No, yeah. right. No, no. no. <laughs> that's just some yeah. shit you say. Like right. on, on social media for other people to see what you're saying. So like people can like, like your fucking posts. It's all about you. Like it's, it's, yeah. I don't want to get what? too into your personal business, Mr. Ron, but I will say, okay. Ron gave a eulogy at his grandpa's funeral last year. And it was the most personal and beautiful and wonderful eulogy. And everybody at the funeral said, so did you say those you, things? Kate. Did you say those things to your grandpa before? Literally away. read the letter I wrote him before he died. I missed that part of the eulogy. No, no, no. Yeah, she was looking at Facebook. It had been 10 minutes. She was like, I wonder if there's any good posts. Um, no. What? I, I'm not saying I said it. I didn't say it during the eulogy. What I'm saying is, is that I said all that to him. I made sure to say it before he died. So he knew. Like, I didn't just wait and, like, 
Peter and I are looking forward to receiving our letters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to wait a little while. Okay. <laughs> we will. You want to do it right now? I can do a eulogy for you right now, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Here lies Peter. <laughs> he broke both of his wrists at the same time. Yes. Small hands. Yeah. Like heart. a carny. Big yeah, heart. smells like cabbage. Yeah, small hands, big heart. <laughs> big heart, bigger dick. Yeah, all the ladies said so. <laughs> it looks huge with those uh, tiny hands on it. So <laughs> the real reason we had to stop living together was because he was slaying so much ass. I don't know. And cook, cover your ears. I'm sorry, but this needs to be said. <laughs> anyway, so yes, that I like that. I like that line uh, from Goldblum, and like I said, that that's where this movie's starting to become a little more relatable than the like kind of corny shit that so started it out. I guess. Was there anything me. else you liked about Goldblum? Or, I mean, he's fine in this. I, I liked his uh, anti. Uh, uh, what's the word? Like he wore the Izod shirt with the the, the crocodile crossed out. Yeah. Anti-establishment, uh, a corporate whatever yeah, i like that i like his rights for people so like yeah right no i get it well that's the whole point right these guys are all like a conundrum and shit they're 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 counterculture grown up realize that uh, hurt and uh klein have an entire fight about this klein's like i like my life i like this house and his house is ridiculous by the way he's like it's... i own a small little company that's gonna it's... be bought from a bigger company that's the kind of house you get when that company's already been fucking bought it's i don't his... know what the hell it's <laughs> his second house they're not even. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. not even Crazy. like their main house. That's like their lake house. Like that's great. Well, this is back in a time when you would just graduate high school and somebody will basically give you a house and a job, and then you do pretty well at that job, and then you get a fucking mansion on the lake. So what's, what's uh, the we thing? don't we don't know what that's like. You guys might be in a better position to comment on this than I could, but there were two things I noticed in this movie that happened in a lot of '80s movies. Number one he owned a shoe company and there's all these like movies and shows from the eighties where people own shoe companies, which is like not a thing. I've never known anyone in my entire life that owned a shoe company. And then number two, the bat scene, like why are there so many movies from the eighties where a bat shows up and then there's this like, crazy well, those are two scene. very different questions, Kate, but let but me not answer the both. first. <laughs> well, I want to, I want to answer the first question and say that Al Bundy was a shoe salesman and all I they know. did was talk about how little money he made, but he had a whole fucking ass house in Chicago, well. in Chicago suburbs, minimum wage shoe salesman. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that movie is a, a documentary about how people with, you know, families on a shoe salesman salary <laughs> live. I'm just saying like movies and TV shows, I assume we're a semi-reflected of real life and the fact that, like I just said, once again, you can have a high school education, get a job, and sort of be guaranteed some sort of pension and, and home and whatever else. Not so yes, much anymore. but who owns a small shoe company? And raise a family? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, somebody. People. Yeah. I mean, well, it'd be like It'd be or, like the... Yeah. It'd be the equivalent of like a boutique right now, right? So I don't know about a small shoe company that goes nationwide, like it becomes Nike or something, but it'd be like somebody who owns a, a boutique thing that becomes maybe Lululemon or, or something like that, you know? Right? Like he had a small thing, turned it into a bigger thing, and some corporate entity bought it out, wow. and now he's going to get more money or what? I don't know. Peter, what do you think about this? Um, what do you think about the shoe conversation from the 80s? <laughs> I was trying to think of another movie where somebody owns a shoe company or where there's a bat involved. Yeah, there really but... aren't too many, Kate. How many of these do you really think there are? You've got, no, we've got like two examples. No, so I, have, I, have, I have at least one other example for each. 
So okay. there's more bat examples. Yeah. So but I mean, not the, so much. Shoe. The great, the great outdoors is the big bat example. Very classic right. scene in the great outdoors. Uh, black sheep. Black sheep has. Was a... it black sheep or Tommy boy? Black sheep. Mm, black sheep, I think. Peter, you know what we're talking about. Uh, I haven't seen either of those movies. David Spade and oh, really? Well, that's yeah. a good double. I mean, I know for, uh, you've never yeah. seen the great outdoors. I've never seen the great outdoors. No, what? I saw Tommy Boy, but never saw Black Sheep. But no. Oh, I thought you meant you were seeing Tommy Boy or Black Sheep. That's the two I meant. But... Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, I saw Tommy Boy. Great outdoors is. I mean. We watched that in Michigan that one time, and I was really high, and so I found it pretty funny. But when I think about, like, why does this guy have to eat a 90-pound steak? Oh like, that's the kind of humor I, this movie is going Yeah, that movie, I don't know what year that movie came out. We were probably, like, 10 when that movie came out, or 86, 11. maybe? Yeah, that movie seven, was. eight. That movie somewhere was in there. comic gold. Okay, what were we talking about before all this happened? Uh, bats and movies? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, bats and like, movies. <laughs> Yeah, great Dude. outdoors. Dude. Did, did we did we finish that conversation? Yeah, I think we can move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I was talking about how I thought there was some good dialogue in this movie. I like what Goldblum said, and then you asked me what I thought of Jeff Goldblum. Oh, that's that's the thing. What, where were you going with that, Kate? You're like, oh, what did you think of Jeff Goldblum, or, or what else oh, did you notice? Yeah, what was your so question? I kind of I, I kind of felt bad for Jeff Goldblum during this movie, and I've 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 seen this movie probably. I don't know. I saw it a bunch as a kid. My parents would watch it a lot. Um, and then I probably saw it a couple times as a teenager, maybe once in college, and then didn't watch it again until maybe five years ago. And then starting about five years ago, I've probably watched it like once a year. So I've watched it a lot oh. of times over a lot of phases of my life. And yeah. it's I, like you're, you're diehard too. Kind of. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but not a holiday yeah. tradition, just like a normal thing. No, um, that's your uh, home for the holidays or whatever. <laughs> it's the family stone. Christmas with the cranks. Family stone. Oh yeah, stone. family stone. Whatever. Um, and pieces of April. Those movies are all the same. They come in a four pack with what's the other movie with uh uh, uh four Christmases uh, or whatever. Vaughn. Yeah, that one. Yeah. There you go. Sure. Yep. Those four. Yep. Okay. All good. All all bangers. Yeah. All yeah. All all good. Right. All well reviewed well, masterpieces. Yes. All- I, yeah, you want to hear my top five? Let's just talk Christmas movies. Yeah, basically that's yeah. four plus the fucking big chill. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget about what about Bob? It out. What about Bob and possibly okay. honorable mention? Possibly Clifford. Clifford. Well, now you got a yeah. ten. Top ten. Why don't you pick two more and round up the top ten? Um, I could I could probably do it for you. Mystic Pizza, maybe is in that top ten. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we'll get to these movies eventually. I do love yeah, one piece more. Of, pieces of April. I think it's really. Oh, I thought you meant pieces. I was like, whoa, <laughs> pieces made the top ten. <laughs> well, pieces of April came up as a suggestion on Tubi when I was I, looking for pieces. <laughs> I did. It's a great. You should watch it with your kids. It's well, not both your kids, but Sam would probably pieces. Pieces. Watch um, pieces with your kids. That that we want to watch, watch that with my children. Right? Yeah, watch it with Ron's kids. They're twisted. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, at least two of them would do it. Yeah. Okay, so 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 Jeff Goldblum. Okay. I yeah never really like he was just in uh, up until this viewing. I always saw him as just another character in the movie. This viewing, I felt kind of I felt bad for him. Like I felt like he was yeah. in the group for people to have somebody to dislike, and people were. I mean, he was obnoxious, but people were mean to him. And I feel like the older I get, the more I'm like, if you think someone's obnoxious and you don't want to be around them, just don't be around them. Instead of like being actively mean to him, which they were like very mean to him, I thought. 
and he didn't get it. Are you saying you can relate to the Jeff Goldblum character? Is yeah, it makes me (laughs) it makes me feel protective of you, honey. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not where I was going at. (laughs) Okay. Well, I for one was defending the Jeff. I thought he was fine in this. I I liked him, and again, these characters are all so fucking broad. It's just so like, and and the movie's not terrible about. There are worse movies than this, and, and definitely ones that are are so just on the nose on the nose on the nose and like but this movie is still just a bunch of types right and i think it does a good enough job by them and exploring them a little bit but there's it's too crammed there's too many people too many different personalities they only get the the base level of everybody um and yeah i i think it's fun and i think it's ultimately entertaining and insightful and everything else but uh yeah it, it a lot of this stuff just rings a little hollow i mean and jeff goldblum's a good example of that as well where it's just kind of like he's kind of the the jerky nerdy guy but then also at the end he's got a moment where everybody realizes okay he's actually like not a bad guy or whatever and that's kind of how everybody in this movie is they're just like oh well we all went our separate ways we all had these problems we all became these people we all forgot who we are lost our way whatever but we're still actually the good people we all remember from school and that's and that's fine and that's nice but i don't know there's not a whole lot there to kind of hang your hat on you know what i mean like that's just it's yeah. a very simple film for a movie that's as revered or renowned or, or whatever it is it is. But I, th- I think that's because it's relatable, right? I mean, I think the benefit of having characters that are various stereotypes is that we can all see people that we know. Some of us probably. Oh, no, I agree, but like on a very characters. Cliff Notes level yeah. or, or version or, but, or whatever. But, but not, there are a ton of scenes. Deep. But it's relatable. Right. So let me let me just let me just say quickly part of the when I said earlier that I had this deep connection to this movie growing up. So my so they all went to University of Michigan. That's where all the characters in the movie went to school together. My dad went to University of Michigan and is, was the same age as the characters in this movie. So my parents had this like yeah, they themselves it. had this like deep connection to this movie like it was sort of like you know girls sure. girls in the early 2000s and sex in the city like oh that's so relatable it's so us that was my parents uh, like, that's not true though but that well <laughs> but we felt that way right but so, sure okay, okay. Yeah. so but the thing that made it even kind of a weirder coincidence for my parents is that their best friend couple was this couple the axelrods Actually, it was the Lewis Axelrod. It was a hyphenated last name. And they lived in Kentucky. And Ken Lewis, the husband, went, he was my dad's college roommate. And he started a very successful business that was actually, it was called Life of the Party. And it was like these liquor distrib- distribution, warehouse, like stores that became this big chain throughout Kentucky. And his wife was a doctor. So they were exactly Sarah and Harold. And though this was like this couple that we went to go visit and spend weekends with growing up. And when we would go there every time, inevitably the parents would get high and what would they do? Put on the big show. (laughs) So like, it was like this weird, like ego stroking of like, Oh, we're just like them, but not like them. Mm -hmm. Which is why I think as a kid, probably at some age that was like not an appropriate age to be watching this movie, this became like a family movie that we would watch like regularly um, and my parents would reminisce about sure. this is just like us in college. And so in my mind growing up, this was like a very like, this is my parents. And I kind of saw my parents as the people in this movie in various phases of my childhood in various characters. Um, so it was interesting. Sure. It's been I interesting mean, watching it as sense. an adult yeah. 
And now not seeing my parents in it at all and being like, that's not at all like what my, I remember my parents being like as a kid, but seeing myself in various characters, which brings me to Mary Kay Place, <laughs> the lawyer <laughs> that needs to get knocked up. <laughs> yeah. God. And needs a different haircut. And needs a different haircut. <laughs> It better happen. body and i don't know like nothing about mary Kay place in this movie body. works i don't know like this oh, she's the role I, I mean God, I, I, it's I get this is 1983 and everything's very different and whatever but there there's nothing about this character that feels the least bit genuine other than perhaps the plight which is yeah she's focused on her career she's never found the guy like okay fine but everything else about her is 100 percent again, uh, much like Joe Beth Williams' husband, just plot device. Like, here's the thing that's going to keep stuff moving and, and conflict happening and then weird, like, you know, scenarios going on. It, it just yeah. does not ring true. It's, I mean, it's, it's weird. I get she wants like... a kid, but you would not show up on this weekend of a funeral and be like, somebody here has got to impregnate me. And then yeah. that's yeah. that's her arc for this entire movie is just trying to get knocked up. Like, Jesus. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> Yeah. I thought they did such a good job, though, sort of with each of the men and their approach to that situation, like how they responded to that situation was a good like character development point for each of the guys. Right. Like Sam yeah, was even... so Sam was so kind, but just like I couldn't do that. Like I just could, you know, and that was his character. He was like this sweet, kind guy. Jeff Goldblum was like, let's hit it. I want to implant my seed, yeah. right? Nick and just, he gets denied, of course. Right, of course. <laughs> she's got no interest. Nick yeah. just couldn't. Yeah. Um, and so it comes down oh, yeah, to, of course. Right. Yeah, and so it comes down, of course, to Kevin Costner, who's this, like, happy family guy who's happy in the moment and really, like, you know, not wistful for the past and doesn't feel like a sellout and is pretty self-actualized. At least that's what he, like, puts out about himself in the movie. So... I thought that was interesting, but I also thought that what is, you know, that's such an 80s thing to have this woman with this like terrible haircut who's this like evidently a power lawyer who just can't get knocked up because women in the 80s had to choose career or family. It's super annoying. Did they not have, um, what you know, the in vitro or whatever back then? Was that not a thing? Did you just literally have to go fuck somebody's husband or something like to get if you wanted a if you wanted a baby? I don't know if the technology was there yet or not, but that's a yeah, that's a good it, question. I I don't know. Ron, are you googling that right now? Sure. I'm googling pictures of Mary Clay Pace to see if she looks better with like, long <laughs> hair or not. And, and she does kind of like I I mean I wouldn't. She's got kind of a Linda Blair thing going on where like, yeah. you know, even when she's being sexy, she's like just a well, little kind of, Linda you know, Linda Blair is kid like faced a, and Linda Blair is a notorious butterface. You know, it's funny. These like current pictures of Mary <laughs> Kay Place. I like she, Linda Blair. Mary yeah. Kay Place of today looks so much like what's the, what's the girl from like White Orchid and um, Jennifer, uh, what's her name? You know, she's got like the big blonde hair and like Jennifer oh, Coolidge. With Nikki Rourke. She looks like Jennifer oh, oh, Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah. Jack Wild Orchid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can see Jennifer that. Coolidge. Yeah, no. she looks like uh... I I'm not trying to come down harshly on Mary Kay Place or uh, say that necessarily. Well, here's one thing I was gonna say. You said it, she's such a cliche because she's the the woman who has to choose between career and blah, blah blah. That's a that's a real thing. Like that's that's okay. I don't have a problem with that that she 
never found a guy or couldn't get pregnant or never had a kid because she was more focused on her career. That's that's all okay. I'm more just weirded out about the fact she's like, I need this kid and now my friend committed suicide and I think the best thing I can do is like fuck one of these like four guys that are in this house right now. That seems a little bit of a, once again, a, a plot device well, to make I, us all go. I, I thought it was a weird juxtaposition though with Glenn Close's character because Glenn Close is a doctor, right? But there's no discussion of that in the movie because she has a husband and she has kids. And so that's what people talk about when they talk to Glenn Close. But with her, there's like, you have nothing except your career. Like, (laughs) I mean. Right. Well, yeah. It's kind of of sad for both of them. Like, Glenn Close obviously has a very successful career, but nobody ever talks about it or asks about it. Other than that time when she goes and gets that, like, 1884 doctor's bag because Behringer hurt his arm jumping into the (laughs) car. Or other than the fact that that might be one reason why they also have a mansion lake house as their second home. Right, yeah. Maybe it's her that's paying for that and not the shoe salesman. Well, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying, like, I think her success is implied within the family dynamic of this is why they have money and the stuff they have. I. You know, like, like I don't, I don't know if they would have that if it was just based off his startup shoe company or whatever. I think her being a successful doctor is, we're we're supposed to realize that's part of their. Well, I thought it was a funny. Thing. I'm sure it was like you know in the in the '80s lens, it was just like, a, oh, it's so nice that he's like cluing his friends in on his business. But it's funny in the context of like today's like political and socioeconomic stream those all those like insider trading conversations he's having with everyone (laughs) like because yes that is how rich people get richer like they have rich friends and their rich friends tip them off and like that's so like not appropriate these days (laughs) but true bernie madoff just ruined it for everybody yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, okay, well, we're, we're really only still into this car scene of them driving from the funeral in, in terms of where I've gotten <laughs> into my notes. So, uh, <laughs> you have... uh, so Behringer, <laughs> Behringer says to Joe Beth Williams, <laughs> how are you doing? Joe Beth Williams is like, great, you? And he goes, not so great. And she's like, oh, we're telling the truth. I thought that was a funny scene. Yeah. Well, that that's definitely true. If you remember at our high school reunion, I came up to you and said, "Like, hey, how's it going?" Oh and, God! Yeah, and you were like, "Good." Um, but I no. I said I said something to you like, "Do you have kids?" And you said something like, "Yes, I have triplets." Everybody asked me the same questions about it. I really don't want to answer them. And I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> well, I probably already told the story twenty four times that yeah. night, so. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway i guess what i'm saying with this this point i just made about you know overselling the truth and all this, this movie's got it's got good dialogue i mean there's uh stuff like meg tilly she's kind of a fucking weirdo in this people are just like i i forgot i forget how the the thing comes up but they talk about how he the uh alex committed suicide meg tilly's character is with alex and they say something like oh it must have been awful to, to find him on you know, it was a real mess. The tub or whatever. It was a real mess. Yeah, yeah a real mess. And she's like, "Oh, we cleaned it up." Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, she's like, "How are you doing now?" Right, we cleaned it up. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Behringer makes some reference to the Lost Hope diet, which is losing weight because of you lose hope and you're not eating and stuff like that. There's there's funny lines in this movie, and it's it's insightful in in those regards. But uh, 
I, one thing I thought was pretty funny too and, and relatable, much like the funeral thing that Goldblum brings up, is uh, there's a point where they're all sitting around listening to music, and obviously this music is known for its soundtrack. And then somebody says, "There's been a, a there's been a lot of great music over the last ten years. You should you know branch out and listen to it." And then um, Hurt or somebody says, uh, "Yeah, like what?" And it's just funny how every generation thinks that there hasn't been they're, good music yeah. right. since they were. <laughs> yep. 18 years what's, older or, or whatever your, uh, it is. I'm, I'm certainly guilty of that. But. Do you guys have a favorite song from the soundtrack? From the soundtrack? Um, I, I mean, I really, I, I know it's the first song played, but the, the Heard It Through the Grapevine is, that's always going to make me think of that movie. And the way that song comes in and introduce, and the way it goes through that opening credits or opening, you know, where they're putting the outfit on, on Alex and whatnot. I, I thought that that's probably my favorite like song slash moment that and the, the Rolling Stones song. But like in terms of songs, I actually like my favorite favorite in general would probably be the, um, the ain't too proud to beg by the four tops. Yeah. Or temptations. I mean, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) You know who, you know who that body was, Peter. I do. Look it up. I do. And you actually <laughs> accidentally said his name when you were talking about Kevin Klein. You, it's uh, Kevin Costner. Did I? Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's a uh, there's oh. a whole 10 minute scene that got cut out of the movie where it's a flashback. That's what it, You're wondering. Yeah, why. we yeah. were talking about. I'm like, why would why would he be known as the body when you don't see him? And I said it must have been cut out. And I, I do remember hearing that, too, at, at some point throughout the years that Kevin Costner. I, in fact, I said to Kate, I was like, isn't there like doesn't somebody famous play the body in this movie? And I was waiting for a flashback or something with, uh, and then, and then I remembered it was Kevin Costner. I was like, Oh yeah, it's Costner. And I was waiting for something with him, but now I realize it's, it's cause it got cut out. So what's, uh, what's your favorite song from the soundtrack, Ron? Well, uh, here's the soundtrack. Number one, heard it through grapevine Two, my girl, three, good loving Four, tracks of my tears, five joy to the world. Six, ain't too proud to beg. Uh, seven, you make me feel like a natural woman. Eight, I second that emotion. Nine, a whiter shade of pale. Ten, tell him. Additional classics from the era on the original CD release. Number 11, it's the same old song. 12, dancing in the street. 13, what's going on? 14, too many fish in the sea. Now, you missed uh, some of the major. You can't always get what you want is not even on this soundtrack. Uh, right? Natural woman's on the soundtrack, and you didn't say that song. She he did. Oh, whiter shade of pale. Yeah. Did you say that? Yeah. yeah he did. I did yep. Say that. Yep. You make me feel like a natural woman. It's track number seven. I love that song, but that's whiter shade is, of pale. That scene is so gross. Yeah. Is number nine. Okay, so guys, I guess my point is, uh, you can't only get you can't always get what you want. It's not even on here, which would I mean, hands down, be my favorite song amongst all these but if i have to pick one of these off the soundtrack yeah like i heard of the grapevine like my girl uh like joy to the world ain't too proud to beg uh whiter shade of pale um, you like them all it's a great what's going on it's a great soundtrack well <laughs> like half of them but uh that's like that, so that scene in uh what's that movie what's going on i think is probably the one i gotta pick i mean what's going on is the best song out of all these isn't it right it's um, pretty damn good really yeah. if you're like what's what's the it's a good like, one what's the Heard of the grapevine's pretty good. It's like that that line in isn't it in um high fidelity where they just you know he says top five soundtracks. Gotta just continue. Can't name Big Chill. 
right? Because like it's gonna obviously be. No, it's not the soundtrack. It's top five funeral songs, and somebody brings up "You Can't Always Get What You Want," and they're like, "Oh, uh, disqualify because of its inclusion in the Big Chill." And they're like, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right." Yeah. God, you're so good. <laughs> because yeah. that's a that's a good example. Like that's a good example of how like that that next generation or that culture is like, oh, this is this is cheesy shit and that's our parents crap and that's uh no i don't i don't i don't i don't interpret it that way i interpret it as like it's a given of course it is like Mm, i interpret as they don't like the big chill oh like i think think it's the opposite i think the point was the big chill was so good well because you can interpret it whatever you mean well kuzak's from detroit right so that would make sense isn't he i I have no idea yeah (laughs) i didn't have the notes ready for that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Look at me, just going deep. <laughs> well, that would that would explain Gross Point Blank because that right. takes place in uh, yeah. Detroit, Michigan. Yeah. yeah. Okay, maybe you're right. I don't know. Where's Joan Cusack from? I would guess the same place. <laughs> I would think. So. <laughs> <laughs> They're both from her mom. The very vagina. same vagina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Uh, okay. Anyway, so uh, well, yeah, what's my favorite song? I don't know. I, I like the Stones, so I'm gonna go with the piano. Always get what you want, I guess. But that's not even on the soundtrack. So what's going on? I think you can't mess with that one. Anyway, why do you ask? What's the? Uh... Well, just because the soundtrack is such an like epitomous soundtrack, I was just yeah. curious. Don't you think it's weird that you can't always get what you want? It's not on there for how seminal it became thanks to this Wonder- movie. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you. Right I'm sure. Thing yeah, or... you've definitely got some speech on about licensing, and I mean. I don't. You'd I don't. Be, I honestly don't. I didn't know it wasn't know. on it until I just looked it up right now. Oh, I'm sure the Stones were just like, no, sorry. I, but I, I they didn't give them enough money or whatever. I would have accepted that answer. I wasn't just stuck on Because there is now you can get, there's like a Big Chill 2 soundtrack that's like, a, yeah. you know, it's like all the songs that weren't on the original sure. soundtrack. Well, I think in terms of the best use in the movie, you can't argue against. You can't always get what you want. Maybe there's an argument to me for like her through grade five. Like you said, Peter, there it's the uh, yeah. sort of goes through that oh, whole introductory beginning period and credits and stuff. But iconically, it's you can't always get what you want. Yeah. Do you but, think that's in the best use of a song in a movie ever list? <laughs> I mean, Jingle Bell Rock and Lethal Weapon is the standard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Across across the board, nobody would challenge that. Across the board. <laughs> I mean that well. Number one, that is not only a great opening sequence song, but also just a great use of a song. So yes, uh, that that wins. I don't know. I haven't had time to think about this, but um, that like, jumps out. It's kind of like putting people on the spot and saying, "Name your top five movies," isn't it? Honey, we're, it's a movie podcast. <laughs> like you should come prepared to talk about movies. I was just trying to like get us going, get you acclimated with some easy questions. I, Introduce yeah. you to the world. That's yeah. not a, that is not. It's a funny lab. how 15 minutes later you had like an entire top 10 ready to go. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> couple beers, couple beers in. <laughs> Moving on to like minute 15 in this movie, even though we've been doing this for two hours. <laughs> but anyway, so well, well, let's not gloss right over this, you guys. I like I said, I wrote down that line. This is one of the next to that whole Goldblum about not Facebooking your eulogy. And this is early 80s and they're talking about there hasn't been good anything good in the last 10 years they're just going to discount essentially the entire 70s of music which i think right, is, which is a phenomenal decade of music yeah which is just interesting though because we sit here and we're just like i have no fucking sure. idea what is popular music now and i hear names thrown around but i couldn't tell you what they sound like or sure. what they're about and i'm i don't consider myself like completely curmudgeonly about it but it's like 
I, I can't keep up and I'm not going to try to keep up. And it's just like, yeah, it, it all kind of sounds the same and whatever. So do you think that's just a generational thing or do you think uh, it legitimately has each decade devolved into less and less? Cause I think that might be true too. We haven't had a real profound, there's artists who continue to be profound and do things, but. But I, I think that I mean, that's like, that's the question we can't answer. Right. Is like, do you not think they're profound because you're not getting it anymore? Did it end though in the sixties and seventies where it was all about innovation and um, profound? No, I think I think I think there's music now that we think is like weird, you know, that like we're like, well, that's not good, but it's some new thing that you know, twenty years from now, people might look back on and think is a big deal or good. All right, well, Kate, not to put you on the spot, but did you listen to our last episode yet? No, not yet. I've been very busy okay. this week. <laughs> so, Peter, we had a we had a half hour conversation about you know when when we were younger and we first discovered rap and how it blew us away as you know two white kids and we didn't know about half the shit. And well, we, we were just kind of like, so that's a that's a thing. Hip hop right? is dead. Hip hop um, is hip hop is dead. I mean, I'm not gonna. No, but that's not where I was going with this. I guess what I'm saying is, we too know what it's like to be people who are growing up and. We obviously liked music. Like we liked, I don't know. I liked Michael Jackson. I liked whatever else. But that wasn't like something where I'm going to look back at it and go like, oh, that was uh, changed the the social consciousness and all this other stuff. I do kind of think, other than maybe rap music coming on the scene, and it, it quickly petered out, like you just said, like yeah, hip hop's dead. I don't know that you can really say out of the 70s and music's really done that. There's some artists who keep that torch alive, but. Mm-hmm. You mean that, like, they're not, not necessarily wrong. There's not like a new genre. There's not like a new. Right. It's just everybody's kind of most of it's frivolous. And, and the people who are doing whatever is, is there's kind of trading on stuff that I, people I think for them. There's not a Dylan. There's not a Beatles. There's not a, a, a fucking whatever. Like Bob I, Marley. I don't know. I think, though, and this is probably a more macro conversation than you need on the big four. Oh, but I mean, I think that. Oh, we love macro conversations. Glo- global, exactly. I think globalization is a piece of that. So there's more like global music that we may not even be aware of, but worldwide is as big as the Beatles, as big as the Stones. But we're not African. Well, sure. Asian, but is that breaking so like, new ground? Are they yeah, are they wrong I mean, I, in assuming that? Are they wrong in assuming that '80s music? This is '83, so it's like what what's big? Fucking like some new wave shit. Are they wrong in assuming that? Um, and I like a lot of '80s bands. Don't get me wrong. It's this isn't about like enjoyable music but i don't know that we've had a decade like the 60s or 70s ever since then they i think they might be right in the sense i don't know the 80s the 80s captured the the modern like synth pop that was not a thing before then right like yeah but it's not a thing now and it doesn't matter but but it's but it's a whole like important i mean our kids are into it now like our kids like love all that stuff and they they view it as sort of like this, this like historical music I think hip hop for the maybe 10 year span between 86 and 96 is probably the closest thing you could come to to say that we had a, a 60s in terms of music. Sure. Because everything was new. Everything right. was exciting. It and was, it was and it was raw and hardcore and it scared the establishment and it did something mm-hmm. different and it like pushed things into a new direction and opened up new doors and all that. I don't think anything's doing that now, uh, even no matter if you have some like critically acclaimed artists, because like I said, certain people are still doing it. It's just it's not. There, there isn't a, a, a decade or a genre or anything that has come out since the, the 70s other than perhaps hip-hop for that 10-year span that's well, done that. 
I guess my point was I don't I don't know that we would be aware if there was. Because I think what you're talking about okay, is a very like American centric measure of like or Eurocentric measure of like what's what's like Well, that's what these big show people are talking like, about. They're talking about their music and the, the the whole point was the guy brought up like the music sucks today or whatever. Right. And that's a thing but, we all kind of say, right? And and that's sure. uh and I'm just wondering if maybe they're not wrong. Like maybe maybe we didn't come out of the '70s with anything else worth. Uh, there's stuff that sounds good and is is fun and is fine, but it doesn't break new ground. It doesn't mean much. And I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. Yeah. But I thought it was an interesting comment. And we had just gotten done talking about the inception of rap and what that did to people, especially like white people who finally like could understand some of this stuff. And that's I think maybe the only thing that comes close to that whole counterculture thing of the sixties, but yeah, it's, you know, every, like you said, every generation thinks has people who think that their music is the shit or the, the best. Some of them. Yeah. Some of them are very wrong about their opinion. Yeah. If you grew up in the two thousand, you're, you're wrong. Right. I, I don't know. Just, that's just another thing. Like so, so what I'm saying is like as much as I think some of this movie is very stagey and and whatever else, I think a lot of the comments they make, for instance, the funeral thing, the music thing, like, I think some of that's insightful and worth having conversations about beyond uh, a bunch of successful white people whining about the fact they didn't get to hook up with this person that they wanted or whatever else. You know, there's, so did you, uh... there's little things yeah. peppered throughout this movie that I think are are very good, even though the movie overall kind of I've got some issues with. That's my. So do you ultimately just love it so much? Uh, well, we're we're only twenty minutes into it at this point. <laughs> yeah, min, minute minute seventeen of the movie. Yes. <laughs> Peter and I, we'll, we'll, we we rate them at the end, and we'll all get a chance to give our star rankings. Okay, so all right. <laughs> you'll find out. All right, so close at an affair five years ago with Alex. Klein says he's cool with it, over it. They all got over it. Only slept together a few times. Five years is like nothing. But this movie, and I was like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna fight about this later on because he thought they were over it, and really it's gonna turn out she was still in love with him, and blah blah. And that never happens. The, the the last scene of this movie between close and fucking Klein, and we'll get to this, is is her being like, go fuck Mary Kay Place up there, and and being like, I love you, and I'm so glad we're together. Like I don't. I don't buy that for a fucking second. Maybe she was either um, consciously or subconsciously trying to even the score, right? Fine, but would he be cool with it? Like, it, there's, it takes two to tango. Both people have to be cool with this. Both people have to get through it. Maybe he How go, often do you think that is a thing? Maybe he is so secure in their relationship that he's like, fine. I mean, I think it's insane to think that then she's just going to raise this kid for the next like rest of their lives and like he's never going to have like that's going to cause complications down the road. Seems crazy. I don't think the necessary Well, yeah, forget all that. Yeah. That well, that's a whole other thing. I'm just saying just the affair but like okay, do you think close uh she cheated with this Alex guy, you know, 5 years ago and they all are pretending it's all totally fine. That's fucked thing number 1. Because it's clearly not. But then you think that might play off somehow in this movie. It doesn't, except for the fact that she's like, oh, bone Mary Kay plays, give her this baby. And then on top of that, it's like Klein is like kind of into it. And, and 
And none of this is resolved. And it's like, maybe they thought, like, we'll make a sequel 10 years down the road where we discover that he actually went off with her and is raising this baby and close. Like, I I, I don't know what Lawrence Kasten's actual plan was for this whole thing. But honestly, that whole dynamic was, I mean, I know I said something else before was the worst part of this movie, but that was the worst part of this movie. (laughs) What was the thing I said before? I found it to be. Kevin Klein's performance. Well, he's involved in this. So, yeah. Okay. (laughs) They go hand in hand. <laughs> it was the most intriguing part, or, or not, or not the, but one of the most more intriguing parts of the movie was that was that sub story. Now, it, in reality, of course, it's it's not going to happen like that. Um, there's going to be feelings involved, and there's going to be jealousy down the line, probably. Um, right. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, it's 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 a Hollywood scene for sure it's <laughs> okay all right kate i do not want to get off what your point was i just did not want you to get ahead of the fact that this isn't just about whether or not it seems like it was super hot to like have sex with mary kate place i was just saying like this thing was fucked from the start and we need to address it on the base level of the fact that she cheated with the alex guy alex guy committed suicide she still clearly is into him not telling klein that klein thinks that they're completely over it and everything's fine Clearly not, but they never have that conversation at any point in this movie. And then they talk about how lovey-dovey they are, and then the solution is go fuck Mary Kate Place. Then Klein is like kind of into her, and then Close is like, oh, uh, could you just not be so into her? Like, wink, wink, ha ha and they both laugh about it. And, and like, all of that shit is just completely swept under the rug and nothing happens. <laughs> right. It's nuts! We know your opinion. <laughs> if it was Joe Beth Williams, we might be Yeah. <laughs> Richard. Why are the two best people in this movie, Joe Beth Williams and Tom Berger, so bad together? Like, that's the other thing. Their <laughs> sex scene is one of the worst, like, weirdest things I've ever seen. I had no idea what's going on in there. Like, I, I'm as freaky as the next guy, but whatever they were doing does not look fun or, or comfortable or or possible. Like, I had no idea what was happening. Same. It was like a it was like a weird, like, outtake scene where, like, a, they realized somebody was filming them. They're like, whoa. <laughs> like, literally look at the camera and shit. That was... That was the worst part of this movie. <laughs> yeah, the two most attractive people had the the one of the worst sex scenes. Yeah, not even most attractive. Yeah. I think like maybe the two legitimately best people in this movie are. are yeah, they were supposed to be yeah. like the kind sexy couple, and you know, Ron was like, "What is he doing? Like, what is he doing?" And he kept saying that for like two minutes, and we still didn't know what he was doing. I, I did. What was he doing? Was he fingering her? What, were they he, having sex with like? They just like unzipped hey. their pants enough that each of them could, because they were fully clothed when the wide shot pops up. Yeah, like it, I don't it wasn't, understand. It yep. wasn't sex. I mean, we all are old enough to know that like sex doesn't work in that position. They're old enough to know these people are like fucking right. fifty nine years I'm old. Saying, like that's not what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all have kids except for Mary Kay Place. Uh, they should know how to fuck. Yeah, that's true. She wasn't even in that scene. <laughs> I don't think Nick has kids because he can't since Nam. Well, Here's the bottom line to my point. You gotta, you gotta kind of put yourself, <laughs> you gotta put yourself in these characters' shoes, all right? Like, can you imagine fucking some member of your friend group? Which one you would allow your wife to fuck? Like, imagine you had to make this choice. Like, you're at a house and somebody's like, "We all gotta fuck." Like, whatever, repopulating society, or like, so and so needs a baby because she's a career woman, or I mean, you know, because that's a thing, I guess. Mm. Like, what? <laughs> I hope Can you imagine, like, your friend group like, just being like, oh, I guess, yeah. guess him? I Kate, like, okay, let's say, let's say no, you're a single I'm woman. Saying... 
No, no let's say. <laughs> Do not ask me who I would fuck in your friend. <laughs> say you're. I'm, I'm not even gonna give you names. I'm not even gonna give you names. I'm just saying, like, say you were the you were this this lawyer lady in this thing, and you've had failed relationships and never had a kid. And you're like, oh, I just fuck it. I don't even want a relationship. I just want a kid. That's the thing that's gonna make me whole. And then your friend dies, and then you go to the funeral, and then you reunite with a bunch of people from uh, you know high school, and they're all married and have like significant others for the most part. And you're just like, you know what? This weekend I gotta fuck somebody here because I gotta get a kid because I think that's the thing that's to make me whole and i'll just like weigh the pros and cons on like who's the best one to do it do you think like that's a thing you would do and well, if you did it do you just think like you could do that with somebody in your friend group or would it be better just going to a goddamn place where you get like the, the guy you can pick off a chart who's got like all these things going for him and put that inside you okay so that was <clears> multiple <throat> questions i would say number one it's one it, it was it's just one question would you do this like could you do this do you think about that like does it make sense I just don't think it rings. I would, I, I wouldn't want to do it, but I do think, so she has that line in the movie that's like, of course I pick these guys. They're the best guys I know or whatever that line is. Right. Something along those lines. Like, so I understand Mm -hmm. the idea of like picking, like you'd want it to be someone that you knew was a good dude, not just some random dude at a bar who'd be a total shithead and they were dealing with them forever. So I get that instinct. I, and I also, I mean, I think to your point about, like, she's just going to come in and fuck all these dudes that are, like, in relationships. Like, they weren't. The only one that wasn't, that, that was in a relationship was Kevin Klein. And so she didn't go after him, but she did approach all the other guys. So that was respectful, I think. But no, I, I don't want to do that. Peter, who are you fucking at the... the uh... <laughs> Is it Goldblum? <laughs> It's it's definitely. Gold I bloom. knew it. I mean, I knew it. I mean, all right, Peter. Well, let's say, let's say, let's say you <laughs> let your wife do this, or your wife let you do this. You think either one of yeah. you is going to be like hanging out downstairs while it's happening? Totally cool with it. No, I would leave for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to leave for a bit. <laughs> well, like I said, he he but looks at her a... pretty passionately in the middle of it, and you know, how yeah. do you know that's not going to that... turn into a thing? And then. And, and I'd like to, like I said, yeah. I'd like to see the fucking sequel where uh, see this, what this did to him and hey, close. I have, a, I have a director question for you. So there's two sex scenes in this movie. Well, there's three. I mean, I guess there's the boob scene and two sex scenes. And the boob scene is not supposed to be sexy because of the crying, but I guess a lot of dudes think it is. It's sexy and then as the fuck. Two, okay. Right. <laughs> and then, <laughs> that's no. And then the two sex scenes, which are awful. So my question is, does this director have like bad sex scenes in his other movies? Is this like a thing for him? Like he's got terrible judgment when it comes to sex. Well, we're going to get into Lawrence Kasdan. But to answer your question, <laughs> I don't do know. Do it I now. Seen, I, haven't, I haven't seen a whole lot of Lawrence. I, like, I don't want to say that. I've seen his movies. But uh, I feel like that's some bullshit with uh, Klein and Close and uh, Mary Beth. Uh, what's her name? Mary Kay Place. Mary, Mary Kay, Kay Place. Place. God. It's probably the same with Berenger and Williams dynamic, right? Like they're just going to pretend they're going to live happily ever after. That's not going to work out. No, she went home to Richard. No, I know. But initially in the movie, they we're not there yet. We're still a minute 30. (sighs) (laughs) I can't like not come with the knowledge I have about the movie. I know. I know. I'm just saying (laughs) that's, 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 these are just things I wrote down while I was watching. I'm like, Oh, much like these two fuckers, like nobody ever learns, but you know what? The heart wants what it wants. Like not everybody makes the best decisions in these situations. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Do you make some bad decisions? I got, I got nothing personal about it. I just, 
I know from not experience. So Behringer, he's like, when I lost touch with you people, I lost the best I could be. But for the most part, these people are all successful people. He's a fucking actor. Everybody else is like a writer. They own companies. Uh, so again, it's insufferable to listen to these fucking yuppies whining about their position in life. And I get that's kind of the point of the movie. They're like, okay, you were counterculture. You were uh, revolution. All this stuff. Somebody even has a line about that. Now you're just... Uh, Living out here and clients like, you know what? Yeah, I like this. I made some money. I'm going to do this. You know, fuck you. Fuck our, our music or whatever. And uh, that's all fine and good, I guess. But it doesn't change the fact that at the end of the day, you're watching this movie where these fucking yuppies are just whining about not real problems. Like, they're real problems, but they're not like we could all have these problems and still have other real problems. They just have these problems. Sure. I kind of find that comforting on some level because I always feel like uh, we live in the shallowest generation ever. But then you like watch a movie like this or The Breakfast Club and you're like, oh, everyone's been shallow forever throughout time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just our, our problems right. are not that. Big. Well, no. right. Like all. Yeah. But and also like this idea that like everyone around us is so stupid and they're always complaining about these stupid things. You're like, oh, like every generation has this whole crew that just complains about stupid things. Yeah. Their problems are, are minute in, in scale. Well, they're real. It's just they have better means to do whatever they're the real, fuck they right. want to try to make it better. And they don't, you know, yeah. they, they sit around and bitch about it. Well, they, Yes, they do. That was sort of my point earlier about like the insider trading stuff throughout the movie is like, you know, I mean, you've got a couple people in that group that might not have come from the same background, but like if you have enough friends who have like lake houses that you can just crash at, like Alex and Nick, then you're fine, right? Like you don't even have to really do anything. You can just like move in these circles if you have those circles. Maybe, but that's only Most good for so long because don't have access to that. I know, but Alex, but that's not real though. Alex and Nick have that, but the person who's crashing right. at their lake house don't have that. So that's the. They are literally the people crashing at their lake house. No, I'm saying. So I'm Alex saying, is like living in like their guest house with his girlfriend, right? I know, I know, but and I'm then, saying in your scenario of if you know these people and you can just like crash at their lake house or whatever, like that doesn't change your problems because you know those people. It's it would be the people who own the lake house and they have the money and all that who are are whining and complaining about their position in life. Yeah, but and... I mean I mean if you're the kind of person that just has a bunch of lake houses you can crash at, that's like a a whole special level of privilege as well. Like Sure. But but that's not you. You don't that's not you don't have any of that. You don't own that. Sooner or later there's gonna be a reckoning with your life and lifestyle and Well I think the I think do. the likelihood that you travel in circles like that suggests that you come from some background that's not like just Sure, oh. but we're talking about the William Hurt character now, basically, right? Like that's what he's doing. He's he's kind of. I, I don't. Those guys. Like, what's, they're like, oh, I'm just figuring out my life, and but you went. Yeah, to, what's like, the deal with her? Just college, you. But that's just what it was. He came back from non fucked up, and now he doesn't have a like a hard real on. hold on things. Or <laughs> okay, a hard yeah, on. He does. Well, to be fair, it was just Mary Kay plays <laughs> who propositioned him. So. No, he. <laughs> <laughs> Also Meg Tilly. Also Meg Tilly. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. What about Meg Tilly? You know, I always uh, liked Jennifer Tilly, but I've never really known too much about Meg Tilly, even though I probably heard of her first. She's older. Oh, right? I love so, Meg Tilly. Yeah. yeah. I just, what What else is she? I'm sure I saw a bunch of stuff with her in the 80s. She was in 80s, an but... awesome movie in the 80s with um, maybe Sam Shepard or someone like that. She's with Colin Firth. Oh, really? 
Well, till 1994. Yeah, they were married. Wow. Yeah. Um, the other thing about her is that I have a memory of her from the 80s that I can share with you guys. I was one time sure. in a car with my dad and our my brother's friend's dad, who was like a dentist that lived, you know, somewhere in Shorewood and was like the quintessential like 80s dentist dad. Like he had like, so I was like wearing shorts and like he had weird glasses and whatever. And I remember one time he was, him and my dad were in the car driving us kids somewhere and he called Meg Tilly the ultimate sex pot. And I was like eight, right? So that like, really, I was like, I was like, who's this Meg Tilly lady? And I want to be like her one day. And then I saw her and I was like, that's the lady? (laughs) Like, oh, gee. That's not Also, where do you want to be the (laughs) ultimate sex spot to a carpooling dad? (laughs) I didn't want to be for him. I want to be like her. Uh, Oh, I want to be in this position where this guy thinks I'm the ultimate sex spot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all right. I get it. It's a yeah. fucked up society for women. Yeah, I don't know. we all have weird shit. I was looking at Glenn Close's tits while she was crying, going, hmm. Oh, my God. This <laughs> is not a personal thing. It's a societal thing. All right. Yeah, men are also uh, just fucked over by society and that we're taught to find all that shit titillating. So now we can't even right? <laughs> help it when a girl's crying. We're just like, oh, look at boobs. You're like, oh, man. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to step this shit up, you guys. <laughs> All right, moving on. Well, no, I'm not going to move on yet. This movie, uh, it kind of oh. reminded me... What? What? You're like, I wasn't step like, it up. I wasn't I'm not going to move on. I, I wasn't moving on from the movie. I'm just... Oh, my God. All right. I guess the message is that uh, even with success, you're not necessarily happy, which, fine, but that's that's pretty fucking hammy you know all right where do you guys end on i'm gonna make some i'm gonna talk a little bit more about like uh stuff this movie relates to and whatnot because i got some notes about that but i'm kind of done with my thoughts on the movie yeah it's good i liked it uh you know whatever i don't think it's this cultural touchstone thing but i do and i will get into it wonder if uh perhaps this is the first movie of its type and that's maybe why it did it was this like sort of the um template for these kind of movies where people got together after high school and had all kinds of like there's some no. of the shit in the '90s and 2000s, and they used to do it with different generations. Uh, or, you know. or also those like confessional movies, kind of like The Breakfast Club. Right, like, sure, right. Know. Yeah, but but I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I could one. I could definitely see it as as laying the groundwork for for future movies because I can't think of anything yeah. before that. Not to say that there isn't, but you know, there's this is it's definitely a unique movie, and there's a ton of scenes that literally don't need to be in the movie there's a ton of like just non sequitur dialogue like you know like a scene where like they they have a conversation and nothing comes with it right Right. uh it's so it's it's very unique in that way and that can be good i like doesn't always it can be good yeah yeah it doesn't always yeah i do too it's uh it, it it makes for it makes for a unique experience which is what i like about this movie um but it doesn't always work and and when you get to when you get to about the end and and the credits start rolling and they're still hanging in the kitchen, uh, you're kind of like, well, that was it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> like, we don't know what's going to happen with their futures. And I don't know if we know that's to do definitely intentional. You know, and sure. I, think, it's all just, I think that's one of the things yeah. that makes the movie so great over yeah. time is that number one, the decision not to do any flashbacks, I think, was totally 
a smart decision. Yeah. Or flash forward, yes. or here's what happened yeah. next. Yeah. Right. And, right, yeah. and, and right. not having like a stupid fucking sequel. Like, right. thank God for that. Like, yeah. Because no, this movie I, would have been become a dumb movie if. I agree. That's none of the problems I have with this movie is the fact that it has like little odd quirks or the fact it doesn't answer questions or doesn't wrap everything up in a tight bow. That's that's those are the best things about the movie. I mean, Mm -hmm. that and the soundtrack. But yeah, yeah, I I agree with all. All right, let's do stars. Uh, I'm going three out of four. That's what I have. Kate, four out of four Uh, for me. It's a top five. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) All right. All right, um, Lawrence uh, Kasdan. Uh, he has he's a great resume as a director. Uh, even better as a writer, actually. If you look at it, he's wrote a bunch of like crazy shit. But uh, you know, he he works with Hurt again in the Accidental Tourist and Klein multiple times. Grand Canyon we we alluded to here. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies. Super underrated. We mentioned the paper with close in our box office wrap up last week when we were talking about surviving the game and how I thought uh, the paper was maybe one of my favorite. It was my favorite Ron Howard film. It has a big ensemble cast, a big time director. It's all about the dialogue and the performances and stuff. But no one really went to see it. Few people remember it. And Grand Canyon is kind of that movie for Lawrence Kasdan, which sucks. But it's definitely on the same level uh, with me, with Kasdan as as Howard in terms of the paper. And it's it's unfortunate. These guys, they they make popular movies and then they do that again and try to do something different. And then people kind of ignore it and... I, well, I like Grand Canyon better than this movie. That's for sure. But I love Grand Canyon and actually did not know it was the same director. So that's new news mm-hmm. for me. But um, I I was thinking about how like, the, you know, movie like Grand Canyon sort of came in at the same time as all those like Magnolia movies. It was kind of a similar like setup. So it might have been overshadowed by those. Uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. I mean, Magnolia you know, like similar later, but I know what you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah, well, right. When people started doing all that ensemble shit, and I think that it wasn't was... as like groundbreaking. Yeah. yeah, I think it was in the wake of Tarantino, but Grand Canyon was like '92, so I don't know how much of that 91, was. '91, really... yeah, '91. Yeah, I don't know how much of that was really. Well, was that like the phase of like Wait. when did Reality Bites and those movies come out? '94. Uh, '94 was Reality yeah. Bites. Yeah. Yeah. Singles was '92. But again, that's kind of what we were talking about yeah. a little earlier, where you have a different culture now trying to tell their little uh, version you know, but it's the same story. kind of setup yeah right reality bites uh or i'm sorry um high fidelity was what was that 99 or something 2000 so same same 10 year yeah. period but uh anyway yes i just I, I feel like it's it's interesting that you you have these directors who hit with a certain style or whatever and then they go and make a movie that's just as good and it doesn't capture the cultural zeitgeist or, or whatever it is and and it doesn't do the nearly the same thing even though i think they're they're probably better movies than some of the other ones it's crazy to think that he wrote um raiders of the lost ark he wrote empire strikes yeah. back he wrote return of the jedi and those three movies are so different than anything he directed yeah. um but that's that's a that's a talent right there and it's yeah it's funny it's the crazy. movies he's directed are pretty small but uh, they're all good and then as a writer he's even yeah. more successful Sorry, Kate, what were you going to say? Right. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. He's got a son, Jake Caston, who's also a writer-director, who is a legend for giving us Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, which is also one of the best (laughs) movies of all time. Hilarious. (laughs) Yep. But he, he too, he's he's responsible for a lot of shit. So, talented family. Um, I don't know that this movie would work today in our our, uh, 
culture and whatnot, I don't think people would have the, um, I don't know what the word is, patience for a movie like this. There's no way you'd open a movie with, unless, unless it was all of the biggest names in the world. And even then, I'm not uh, sure it would work. But it would, it would, it'd be a Netflix series, and that would be the exactly. opening credits every week or every yeah. episode. Like, would be Friends from College. Yeah, that yeah. Was a Netflix series. yeah right, which is right, which is a good exactly. show. I mean, that good should happen. But like. There's, yeah. yeah, there's no way you might get it on a streamer or something and, you know, they might, but there, there is no way this movie would even come out in theaters. If it came out in theaters, it would make $7 million and you wouldn't have heard of it. And, uh, even to that end, it would never capture the, the like I said, the, the culture and, and all that. There's not a lot, just, there's not a lot of like no thoughtful conversational movies that are, you know, big movie theater movies anymore. There's not a lot of anything like that. It's all just, uh superheroes and franchise shit it's there's this was a long time ago so i feel like there i'm sure must have been other ones since then but the movie uh closer that's that's a top five ron you didn't remind me of that i love that movie oh you just um, rounded out your top 10 i guess is that it <laughs> 10 yeah, that's 10 well, knock out every other one i'm gonna knock out every other one you did it <laughs> this movie also kind of reminded me of um this is 40 you guys see that kate you've seen it we watched it together mm-hmm. peter you yeah, I, I actually adore I've that seen fucking it, yeah. movie. I think it's, it's really smart it's, and funny and whatever. But at the end of the day, once again, it's hard to be like sympathetic to this shit. It, you're supposed to care about the money the guy might lose if his deal doesn't go through and his boredom with his life and his mansion. And he dry, they drive like his and hers BMWs and shit. And it's just like, it's not the reality of people watching this movie. Even though as parents and people, we have overlapping issues, whether rich or poor or whatever, it just... It, totally hampers the drama when you try to like put all this shit on people who are just affluent and can pretty much just do whatever the hell they want if they want right yeah they don't care you can afford to like divorce your wife and go find somebody else if that's what you want to do they're not like yeah they're not like storing picket bags under their sink yeah it's like if this guy loses his job you're gonna like maybe sell one of your cars and you can still pay your mortgage for a while while you get a new one it's just it doesn't matter, man. Like, I, right. I, again, I don't want to like pretend rich people don't have problems, they, you know, emotionally and what they still do. But you can you can probably afford to do whatever you want to like help yourself out, whereas other people can't do that. So, again, this is another movie like that where it's like, ah, even though I like what they're saying and I like what they're doing and I can relate to some of this, I, I'm just like, God, you guys, like, just get your shit together, you know? Like, you don't you don't have it so rough, yeah. So okay. anyway. Yep. There's, there's my three yep, stars. I agree. From. All right, you guys, it's ten to ten pieces. Let's do it. <laughs> we're gonna do a, we're gonna do a, uh, what All do you right. call it? A, a rapid round on speed round, speed round, speed round and pieces. Yeah, Peter. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll say this for this movie. I saw it one time, uh, maybe I don't know, 15 years ago, and I was like, man, that movie is really surprising. I was into how kind of kind of twisted it was but it wasn't like overly gross and there were some boobs and whatever and i was like that's a really good example of this genre without being too nasty like some of them can be and i remember they released it on blu-ray a couple of years ago and it was this big thing and i i spent like 20 dollars on it which i mean that doesn't sound like a lot for a blu-ray but when you're used to buying five dollar blu-rays it's like you, you pre-ordered it right for 22.99 sure i was like oh cool i finally got it, it came with the soundtrack and all this swag and i was like yeah and then i put it on my shelf and i literally never watched it and finally because 
of this podcast, I had to watch it again. And I know I was saying to you, like, I'm like, oh yeah, that one's fun. I can't wait for pieces to come. I like, I can't, can't wait till we watch that. And then I watched it last night. I was like, yeah, I mean, this is a fun movie, but I don't know what the fuck I thought was so special about this thing. It's really not that great. It, like, it's it's fun and funny and shit, but it's it's not. Uh, Peter, I don't did know. you think I, it was special? Um, I don't know if I felt it was special. I definitely <laughs> it uh, it certainly it certainly brought the uh, brought the entertainment what for better or worse. Um, but. Okay. Holy shit! Kate has the um, thing she wants to talk uh, about she's without saying it because we'll get there's so many. There's I many. have a I got a thing about it. No, my, go ahead. Sorry. My favorite scene, and and not because it was the end, and I won't say what happens yet in the end, but my the last my favorite scene, scene was the end <laughs> I, I forgot all yeah, about that. I, I had no idea so, what was going on. I, I, laughed I didn't so remember the movie, and I don't yeah. know why. I must have just blocked it out. I was like, Peter, what a horrible way to end the fucking movie. You're a dirty bird. I know what you think. The best scene is. Why don't you just go ahead and jump right to it since we're speed round? I this. I'm actually curious as to what you think I'm gonna say. Oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna steal it from you. I want you to say it. I know what it is. I have two. I'm not gonna be able to choose between them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Listen to your heart and talk about the one you think is the. Uh, oh man. The most when worth lady... discussing thing about this movie. When that when that lady comes out of the locker room and she has her like hopeful Oscar moment and she's like, she's dead. Bastard, bastard, bastard. God. I loved it so oh. much. That wasn't it, Kate. <laughs> but the good news is now I get to do it. What the fuck is up with that kung fu instructor jumping out of nowhere like a goddamn Asian yeah. stereotype? And then he, he attacks just... her and literally tries to like, I mean, like, what was he doing? Why? And then yeah. she, she like, but yeah. then she like knocks, knocks him out of her hand. And then yeah. he gets up. He's like, oh, ho, ho, I got to go with some chop suey. It like runs away. And I'm like, well, maybe they're setting this up for later where yeah. this guy is going to like come back yeah. and save somebody or nope. something. Nope. He nope. Never, never happens. Back. Never. Yeah. Nope. There was nothing. That might've been the biggest. What the fuck yes. moment yeah. movie, yeah, was, moment I've ever insane. seen. It in was clearly like, some like friend of the director was like, "Please put me in your movie. I'll do my kung fu." And he was like, "Fine, you're in. Just, <laughs> you're in." I yes, thought it's yes, like, did we see him I was before? Like, Rewind. Was was he in the movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Peter, you're you're the guy that does this. Take us through what what pieces is all about. Okay. Um. Well, first of all, uh, I had I had never seen or heard of this movie. Oh yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's right. I've been talking um, about it for like six months, man. I know. Well, yes. Yeah, so, so the first time I heard about it was when we were looking at the calendar for the uh, for the movie. Now, this movie pieces is a classic whodunit with uh, <laughs> with. It's a good options. detective story, right? Yes, exactly. You got Dirty Harry and Leslie Nielsen in the same yeah. fucking movie. It's awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you have uh, you have a bunch of people getting. Um, murdered a bunch of college girls in a in a quote-unquote boston university right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, university of boston as to the yeah. university of phoenix <laughs> right <laughs> and uh, no one knows who's doing these grisly murders and they are done with a chainsaw and this guy whoever it is is collecting body parts and the Whoa. detectives are on the scene, but they don't want the they don't want this getting out to the news. They no. they want to button this up a little bit. Yep. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so yeah, there's there's your synopsis of it's 
like I said, it's like a Scooby-Doo episode, really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Peter, you forgot to mention that it starts in 1942, even though it looks like 1960. And I don't know what (laughs) the house is built after 1942. Yeah. This mom beats the shit out of this kid for looking at porn. And then uh, the kid chops her to death with an axe. And uh, that is the lesson. This movie, Peter, is a mm-hmm. cautionary tale about never uh, taking away a man's porn. Exactly. <laughs> or you will die. Or preteen boys, or whatever. Yeah, just fucking leave yeah, them alone, yeah. or, or they're going to yeah. come back 40 years later and hack up a college. The, the, most, a uh, the most okay. deserted college of all time. <laughs> right. Like, there, there is no one except the principal five cast on this college at any, at any point in time. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, is, uh, uh, yeah, the little boy grows up, goes to this college for some reason, and starts uh, yeah, chopping people up, hacking them up, chainsawing them up. Girl gets chainsawed while studying on the lawn uh, by what we are led to believe is the groundskeeper. Uh, the groundskeeper in this movie is a top five character of all time for me. I really amazing. enjoyed his performance. He's amazing. He's awesome. Yeah. I hey, Peter, still... you're, you're yeah. You're you're a WWE fan. Was that guy ever Correct. a professional wrestler? No, he looks. Yeah, he he should have been. Feel like he missed. Yeah, he did not have his own Wikipedia page, so I'm I'm not sure who he was. But uh, not at all. Yeah, he's a jeez. He's a big dude. I like how there's a scene where they're talking to me, like he's like no or whatever, and he like he's got his like hand at his side, and it's like in a fist, and it's and his eyes are all like looking like sideways both ways. Got one googly eye, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that scene you talked about, Kate, where she's like bastard. First of all, it's still she says whatever she says, she's like bastard, and that's funny. And then she's like bastard, saying, "Oh man, she said it again. That's weird and funny." And then she's like bastard, and she like shakes her. It was like three times with the face. With a fishing, yeah. yeah, that's just yeah. something else. Yeah, yeah, quality, quality <laughs> shit. It's she like, was uh, so. I'm not being so facetious. I, I loved it. Yeah, Gosh. that was uh, really. She was. She was acting hard. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he comes back 40 years later. Texas quote college. Uh, he's got 40 year old blood on his keepsakes that look nothing like actual blood. Never mind 40 year old blood. Mm-hmm. Um. We mentioned the girl got gets chainsawed while sunbathing. You got Schwartz and Kendall. These two guys are friends. Kendall apparently is the biggest ladies' man of all time. Uh, Schwartz everybody on, loves Kendall. Everybody. Yeah, everybody in this movie yeah. loves Kendall. Ladies, cops, <laughs> taekwondo everyone. instruct kung fu guys. Yeah, that, yeah. taekwondo <laughs> professors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, Schwartz, on the other hand, is not quite the ladies' man. <laughs> no. no. He says shit like, but he's, but he's, "I'm he slayed with be. a withering look." Who gives a shit? And then <laughs> he's also he's unflappable. Like there's this murderer yeah, running around sure. campus, and that guy's like, "I'm just gonna make my snarky jokes and pass out notes." <laughs> he says, "Don't tell me I'm the bearer of bad news. I'll kill myself." And the guy's like, "No, you're you're not." He's like, "Good, I'm too young to die." <laughs> Yeah. That's such he's a weird so line. Yeah. He's like he's so like a, he's like a peanuts character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kendall's girlfriend gets chainsawed at the pool. They take the pieces out on a stretcher. I thought that was kind of funny. He he did he did move on from that really quickly. Like that was his girlfriend, and he was like, I can't even be bothered to have sex with her in the pool. I'm gonna stamp these. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he's haven't we established that everybody wants Kendall for something? And then like that day, like like he's like, Oh, I just saw my girlfriend well, by the pool. Well, It's not because of his dick, because we see his dick in this like, movie. He was yeah, sure. Yeah, I was that, yeah, that was a penis moment. Yeah, Kate was into that. She's like, Wow, you don't get to see that every day in a movie. Like, thank God. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I Can we like, talk about that pool scene for a second? Because I'm st- yeah. I'm still confused yeah. as to Okay, so groundskeeper <laughs> Willie or whatever the fuck his name is yeah, comes right. in there yeah. and and fights three cops and yep. obviously yeah. looks so guilty and yet the, they don't really talk much about it after that and then they're like we gotta right. find this killer i'm like don't you think you just did like yeah, yeah. And well, i i 100 wrote that down they're like we there's a killer on the loose son it's like you arrested a guy that beat up two <laughs> cops and yeah. like for know, no reason was, was there holding the chainsaw uh yeah, yeah i think <laughs> what, what do you mean you gotta catch yeah. the guy don't shouldn't you be yeah. gotta send this guy Gotta send yeah. this lady also, cop undercover. And then the other person that looked super shady in that scenario was Kendall, who like was like running out, like uh-huh. right? <laughs> and nobody questions him. Like the cops meet, like they see him in the hall and they're like, Hey, come be a cop with us. This guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he gets invited like, to all the shootouts right. and yes. yeah. 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 Just bring him into the they're inner like, circle. Stay back, keep Kendall safe. But you can come in. They're like, I trust right. Kendall with my life, even though he's yeah, like, met he's... him the day before. <laughs> Right. Oh yeah, the cops in this movie are something else. Yeah. So, but I I wanna before we move on from the pool scene, I wanna say, Peter, um, Ron had a thing during the pool scene, the pool scene that drove him nuts, that he could not stop fixating on. Ron, do you wanna share what it was, or you want me to? Mm, I don't even remember what you're talking about. The pool is kind of small, but her boots. Remember when she was undressing? Oh, and... oh yeah. She took her <laughs> pants off before she took her shoes off. I saw, I thought the same thing. <laughs> what the it fuck was so she... awkward. It was like the yeah. worst undressing. <laughs> yeah. It took her like 10 yeah. minutes to take her boots off, too. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, but then she was like wearing a swimsuit underneath, so she was prepared to swim. Yeah. Um, but didn't think to kick off her boots. Didn't, she didn't need her top, though. Like, even though it's a swimsuit. Man, she put on that weird headband thing. Yeah. Like took that ribbon and like doing. tied it. Around. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is that part of her shirt? What is she doing? <laughs> yeah, I had no idea what was happening because it's such a low quality video and you can't yeah. really see what's going on. Even though I bought this thing for $25 on like 4K yeah. Blu ray and I have yet to even watch it. We're the proud new owners of pieces. That's bullshit. We're at my Kate. I mean, we couldn't watch with, it if we wanted to. With commercials, I think it had commercials too. Tubi, yep. Thank God for Tubi. Yeah, love Tubi. Um, yeah. <laughs> Good for a sponsorship. All mm-hmm. pretty Tubi. No, we never are. We I, just we we just say what we like. I fucking love Tubi. Yeah. <laughs> I would suck Tubi's dick. Keep that as a soundbite. Yeah, Tubi fucks. I would, I would have Tubi's I baby. Fucking love if Kevin Tubi. Klein made me. Oh man! And I'd pretend I was okay with it because white people problems. I'm taking a half star off. Two and a half. All right. I'm giving it to pieces on whatever I end up with this. Uh, so, yeah, she's chainsawed into many pieces in a pool, and the like, guys, like, take her out on a stretcher, which I thought was really fucking hilarious. Yeah, you did think that was so funny. Like, I don't know how what else, else you'd use, but how, yeah, <laughs> it, it makes sense, I guess. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, probably, probably a stretcher. But I just think it's funny to like put it down as if like to lift a body, and so they like put this bag of a body onto the stretcher and like walk her out. Yeah, well, it is where they put it like in garbage because like right, I was like, well, what's the alternative? Garbage bags, but they like still did put her. In well, they put everything bag, into a bag. one big bag except for the leg, which they put on by itself, and then put the bag of all the other shit on top of the leg, which is just <laughs> bad uh, stretcher etiquette, if nothing else. Bad yeah. stretcher etiquette. <laughs> Everyone knows that's not how you that's not how you stack a stretcher. Also, that stretcher it was not like plastic. They're gonna have to get rid of that thing. It's all full of blood. Yeah. And they all you had it in a bag, just on. walk it out. What the yeah. fuck? Like the guy literally lifted it out of the stretcher. It's not I don't know. Like it's harder to lift a hundred and thirty five pound girl uh like when she's together than if you chop her up and put her in a bag. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. I meant because of, like weight distribution, right? So it's easier to lift a 135 pound bag and just like walk it out. It's not like trying to pick up a, you know, a yeah. dead body. Yeah, we'll, we'll cut all this out. Yeah, <laughs> I would, I would know from experience. <laughs> I'm just saying she looked about 135 and like I'd carry out in a garbage bag if I had to. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, guys, help me out here. So they hire Mary. She's an undercover cop who's going to infiltrate the college 21 Jump Street style. But she's apparently a tennis champion who the main kid recognizes immediately. So not great for undercover work. But, well, I mean, if her thing is a tennis champion, uh, I guess people assume that's why she's there, not because she's a cop. So I guess that tracks pretty well. But yeah. uh, here five the lieutenant. Tennis scene. But you'd think oh, yeah, that's, some, that's like, terrible. People Those guys aren't like, even hitting oh. shots that would land. If you know anything about tennis... Right. What, <laughs> Kate? Yeah, he was annoying to watch the tennis scenes with. He was like, that serve's not going anywhere. <laughs> well, it's like they hit it up in the air, and then it shows the ball, like, shoot across the court. Like, come on. That's not what, how that works. Okay, I have to pause for a minute, because I really have to go to the bathroom. Okay. It's not how this works, Kate. What the hell? <laughs> you don't go to the bathroom. <laughs> you don't. You use that motivation to... <laughs> <laughs> she took the she headphones off. Us. She's like, "Fuck uh, it, yeah." <laughs> um, all right. So, so anyway, uh, yeah. The the lieutenant also tells her that he trusts Kendall with his life, like I mentioned, which is ridiculous because they've known each other for like a day, and that kid had the worst <laughs> goddamn alibi of all time. They're like, "Why did you go in there, son?" He's like, oh, I, "I don't know. I just I had like a feeling or something." Yeah, is that it? Yeah. Like, oh, okay, uh huh. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> To the next day, like, okay. oh, look, look, this is a good kid. I trust this fucking kid. Like, yeah. What? What is? What's up with the with the with the dubbing? Because sometimes it looks like it's I in know. English, and sometimes yeah. it looks like they're speaking another language and they're just dubbing over it. And I was super confused about that. Yeah. The um. Well, it's it's I think a Spanish film technically. But, yeah. Uh, I think the American people are speaking English, and I think there just might be some other characters who are not. Or it was not dubbed properly. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let's just look it up. I should have looked. I should have done some research on this before we. It's got some pretty bad dubbing, but that adds to the uh, the charm, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, it's fun, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it was it's like okay, a movie was... you'd watch in the eighties. Like, well, obviously it is an eighties movie, but yeah, those yeah. bad dubbed movies. Directed by uh, Juan Picar. Simon, Simone, probably Simone. Simone, yeah, yeah. Written and produced by Dick Randall. So let's see a little bit about this film. Production. 
The script for Pieces was written by American exploitation filmmaker Dick Randall and Italian producer Roberto Loyola, credited as John Shadow. Contrary to popular belief, Joe D'Amato was not involved in this production. Did you know that was popular belief? I did not. <laughs> I did it not. was it was given to the director one uh P how did Kate P I Q U E R. How do you P K? Yeah. Juan Piquet Simone. Oh, you think that's how you pronounce it? Oh, I'm going to have to dub that in over the other thing. Piquet, you say? All right. (laughs) All right, here it comes. Although this film was set in the United States, specifically in Boston, it was mainly shot in and around Valencia, Spain, home of director Simone. Though some exterior filming took place in Boston, the shoot lasted four weeks with a cast and crew, and another week went into filming the special effects for an estimated budget of $300,000. Some of the American exterior shots were reused from Supersonic Man 1979, also directed by Simone. Wow. Wait. That's a lot. While the the, Spanish... uh, Hold on, hold on. We're still talking about why you thought the lips were fucked up. While the Spanish version had an original musical score by... uh, Fuck, that's another musical score. I thought I was going to talk about the dialogue. My bad. All right. Uh, What were you going to say? I was going to say what? Well, we were saying the the dubbing was bad in the movie. There's there's parts where they're clearly not saying the words that are being spoken. Um, what I was going to ask is, what the fuck is with the scene where the chick's on a uh, skateboard or roller skates or whatever smashes oh, into yeah, a the mirror? mirror? Right. What? <laughs> Did she die? Like... Yeah. It didn't, like, follow pieces, the track pieces, at baby. all. <laughs> it didn't. Yeah, I thought, well, did she die? Is she all right? What do we know That's about true. her? Is she okay? I forgot I was so taken aback by that kung fu scene that I forgot that there was another completely random scene in the movie. Yeah. I think a lot of this movie is just on the cutting room floor, and that's, you know, the, the issue with it. It's It was actually like a four-hour movie, and... but... Yeah. It's like The Godfather, really. It's just... Yeah. Got like, unfortunate the extended editing. version is just a lot of him sewing those body parts. But, like, just to see the master, the master. Well, and he keeps building that puzzle, and he's like very like fast at it when we see him doing it. But it's taking him forever to get it done. Like, does he just work really fast for no? A I think and then in, stop? In, in in hindsight, I think he's building the body part that he's going to go kill. Ooh. Look oh, at you. This Pay is why we. Than I yeah. Extra <laughs> set of eyes <laughs> is always helpful. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was sober eyes Kate last night. That's true. I was drinking. I uh, the killer is like a heavy breather, you know, and the girl's running right. and he's walking and somehow catches up to her. That's fucking scene where he gets that girl in the elevator and he like just puts the chainsaw behind his back as if he's like just holding yeah. a fucking like, yeah. like right. a gun or something small. Yeah. She walks in and she's like, oh, hello, sir, which telegraphs the idea that, oh, it's somebody we know. And uh, then he just like pulls the chainsaw. And she's like, ah, but it is pretty cool. How her arms got lopped off. Mm-hmm. Like that was a good that was a good effect. I like that. That shows in that two weeks of post production effects shooting. That yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I still have no explanation for the the voice and whatever. There there are gonna be people who listen to this podcast. So you fucking dummies. This movie has a legend about why it. You know, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't look more into it, but we have to speed round this shit because we took so much time on the goddamn big chill. 
which I'm going to get <laughs> thrown out of the, the formative movie, Ron. Gen X club for talking so long about. <laughs> it's weird how that bathroom that girl has to run into from the aerobics class is like uh, on the other side of campus. I there was, was not so a bathroom, away. just like down yeah, the hall. Right. Yeah. Super far. Hey, real quick, do you guys remember, did you ever go like in the basement of the theater building? It was kind of like that. Like it had all these like long halls to like get yeah. to the places. I did. Did you ever go there? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, were you not in the basement of the theater building? You uh, ever went there? It was kind of oh, yeah. like that scene. I was. Reminded me of that scene. Okay. Yeah. I probably brought down some there. chicks down there. <laughs> <laughs> Not I. Was it like detention down there or something, or wasn't there like a? I think detention was in the science building on the. I don't know. Floor. No, yeah, but I don't know why I was down there for something. There was like some weird room down there. I had to go get something out of, or. Oh, I think like maybe. Yeah, detention speech. was down there. Yeah. Okay. There, there was, was like a classroom down, down there. there right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> like put them in the basement of the fucking like, theater building. Place. Do you remember like the shop building? Did you guys ever take a class in there? Never went in there. I had a class in there. It was like, um, it wasn't shop, but it was like computer technology and design or something. Crazy though. Right. I took nothing advanced. I was just uh, was there to it get wasn't, out. It wasn't advanced. Oh it was like God. shop Take. kids. It was like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Take half an edible next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> So anyway, back to the shop buildings of our high school, everybody. <laughs> what they looked like. <laughs> What's in that? Water. Oh, sure. Uh, so, Peter, you got anything else to say about this? No, I, I definitely got stuff. I, I'm not I'm joking. But what else? Uh, what else? No. I, I feel like I'm just burning through and I'm skipping over stuff. I, I We really got to talk about the cops because they're the best. They're They're my favorite duo in i don't know the, uh, the, the off. detectives or the or the stupid uniformed officers who are no 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 i'm talking about the detectives <laughs> okay yeah, the uniforms officers are ridiculous but yeah uh yeah uh, those detectives no, were awesome that lieutenant's partner somehow uh just puts it together off a phone call and finds out the the dean killed his mom and so must have must have messed him up or whatever like how did what what happened in that phone call that i'm missing where they put two and two together all of a sudden somebody just called him and they were just like oh yeah by the way the dean murdered his mom and they were just like relaying that information or did he even yeah he murdered we saw him murder never mind but yeah did, did he like go away for that or was he like that is never explained or... yeah yeah you could why did he come back 40 years later did he just get out of yeah, yeah so did he... <laughs> yeah he didn't obviously he didn't just get out of prison because he's the dean of the university but why did he start killing people right. 40 years later i Kate, that is not thoughts, really explained, Kate. Just trying to oh, recreate yeah. his mom, but in the pose of that puzzle, which is twisted. But I don't know uh, where yeah, it was for like, that 40 years. That's a good uh, 30 years. Good question. Did you just go with that grandma lady and then did he 40, kill her? It was 40 years later. Hence the it's title card. Also the, yeah, also the year. Yeah, but wasn't just... that first episode like 1942 and he was like 10? Uh -huh. Yep. Oh, I it doesn't see. matter. Yeah, it's still like 40 50. years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I said this multiple times during the film last, and I'm like, this guy's got to be like 52 or whatever. Remember when so he that's, was like... That's how I knew it was the Dean. What? Peter, what did you call it was the Dean? Uh, no. I thought it was going to oh. be... 
I thought it was going to be gay teacher yeah, Brown, guy. That... Too obvious. Yeah. Come on. They made you yeah. think that. They never Brown, put right. the on the D. Ron called the Dean like the first time he came on screen. I was like, oh, Ron's very good at that stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm not necessarily, but I've already seen the movie. But to be honest with you, I, I did not remember at all. Like, I'd forgotten all of this shit. I, I remembered some of the scenes, but I, I forgot. I definitely didn't remember the last. I didn't remember it ending that fucking dumb. I, I know you said that that ending was your favorite part or whatever, but I don't, I don't remember that insanity at the end. Is right. that a sequel? Was it setting it up for a sequel, and is there one? But what would it what would it be that the body was alive and it just like rips dicks yeah. off now? That's yeah. the sequel. I made no sense. Dick Ripper, pieces. Hey, we just Dick watched, Ripper. We we literally just watched a movie about dogs ripping off dicks. No, that's we true. We watched Strays the other night. <laughs> what year is that from? This, like year. this year. It came. It's like a new release. Like three months ago. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Google it. We You'll paid, recognize it. We paid like okay. 30 bucks to watch it. <laughs> 25 to own it. <laughs> yeah. If you want to well, it's either 20 to rent it or 25. Yeah. If you want to come over, Peter, we own it now. Oh, excellent. Peter, I'm pretty sure I like yeah. sent you the, the, you can just give him the prime. I'm pretty sure we sent you the link to this, or I sent you the link to this back when that I That would be a legal run, but he's available to come to our house to watch it. Just in case Amazon wants to sponsor you. Mm. Did you know you that don't, today... you don't remember this? I should what what? Oh, sorry. Today it's the eighth most searched adventure movie on streaming today. So it is an adventure. It's like Milo Notice with uh, f bombs. Oh, okay. Yes, and that is that's very and... much what it's like. And it's if at the end of Milo Notice they ripped Will Forte's dick off, <laughs> yeah. Will Ferrell and Jamie Fox. God, I don't know about this movie at all. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking weird. It huh. really, it's got, a, it's a lot of build up, and then it could have been like, like, like it, it delivers exactly <laughs> what you expect when you hear like, oh, swearing dogs, you know, haha. Mm -hmm. But I, I was hoping to be a little better. I was hoping the script would be more like Step Brothers level. Said this is just like, yeah, yeah. I was Ted, expecting Ted, but it was like don't they, don't they talk about Ted little... like fifty times in this that movie? I don't were we think just, so. Were we just listening to something? Really? Ah, fuck it, that movie's been. Something I think I that was doing. wishful thinking. Okay. Anyway, yeah, I was hoping it'd be more on the level of like Ted or uh, whatever. And instead, it's kind of like a muted, maybe like Family Guy type yeah. episode of humor. But it's still pretty yeah. good. Like, you could do worse. I mean, you're just watching a bunch of dogs walk around, like swearing and talking about sex and stuff. It it, it delivers on its basic premise. It just. Yeah, if you're looking you know, for dogs talking it. about sex, this is. Yeah, if you really want to hear some dogs talking about fucking just really getting up in that shit. That's a good movie. A good one. Okay. Yeah, make a note. Or Cujo. <laughs> oh my god, don't you don't you start uh, with me, blasphemer. Did you did you love that movie, Peter? No, I did not love that movie. Me, and Ron yeah, Ron is not happy with that. That's I not know. true, but at the end of the episode Ron you're like, you know what? You got me thinking that maybe <laughs> Yeah, you you all you this shit is actually point. very effective. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, so that's yeah, that's their dynamic. You know, you come on, nobody and would just say a bunch of wrong shit, and I just correct you. What? What? Nobody yeah, that was my be. big thing with it. I'm like, I've been in a car for a half hour. I'm like, I guess I'm gonna kill this dog, or it's gonna kill me. But I can't be in here in 90 degree weather. They were in there for three days. Yeah, three. Mm -hmm. That that would well, you'd have to pee. Or that's something. where the movie falls apart. Yeah, I mean, well, we talked about this on the Cujo episode. You should go listen to that. So should yeah. everybody else listening. And we gotta get through pieces. Yes. Okay. Pieces, not pieces so of April. Just, 
we just got to the yeah, we just got to the arms, right? Yeah, so yeah. That was yep, cool. elevator. Yeah. No, no. What I was talking about was the cops. Oh yes, oh, yeah. the detective. Sorry. So they somehow put together this guy. I don't know what what he heard on the other line, other end of that phone line, but they're just like, uh, you know, he's like, oh, really? The dean like killed his mom forty years ago, and he's been fucked up ever since. Oh, and they just like put it together. Uh, but then <laughs> the guy says this, which I love. He said, <clears throat> "Hold on." <laughs> <laughs> Would you put that information on the wire right away? I appreciate it. I'll send you a case of lollipops. What fucking oh, yeah. century does this movie take? <laughs> what out on the wire and I'll send you a case of lollipops? Like this guy is Leslie Nielsen, Frank Drebin, naked gun shit. Like and I'm not even joking. Like that's what I mean, no, I wouldn't be surprised if Nielsen like just fucking based that character off this. Like Who's nuts. the lollipop guy? T- Telly Savalas? Right, and you always Kojak. Yeah, Funny. Kojak. Yeah, yep. That's that's yeah. not what we're talking about. We're talking about the way he looks and the way he's acting. Is no, I think it was a rough. I think it was a reference to that, wasn't that earlier than? The oh, movie? why you're saying he? Didn't oh look yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, oh, oh look at me. See? Deep again, you guys. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty good at this. We should have you around more often. Yeah. <laughs> we can sell merch with your picture on it or some shit. <laughs> Now we're talking. <laughs> now we're cooking it'll with be, gas. It'll be, I'll just, I'll recreate the most awkward sex scene from every movie we've watched. No, don't do like, that. Frying in the shower. Honey, you always recreate the most awkward sex scene. All right. Yeah. I'm inspired by you, honey. Yeah, honey. <laughs> All right, everything that guy says is, you know, the way he reacts in the scene, it just might as well be the fucking naked gun. I'm sorry. It just, he, he 100% reminds me of Leslie Nielsen, or Leslie mm-hmm. Nielsen reminds me of this guy. And it's awesome. I love it. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Like, skipping to the end real quick, the killer's behind that curtain in the room, but, uh, you know, that, that girl's, the tennis player undercover cop Mary. is paralyzed. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So she can't say anything. Uh, and then the cops are like, he can't be far, Kendall. Walk her around or something. <laughs> Yeah. And she's Kendall. trying to like sign with he's her eyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, bye. We'll, we'll be back. We're going to go find him. He can't be far. Do you guys think that she thought that, like, between that scene and the bastard scene, that she was like a super legit actress? Uh, I don't know, but she looked a little old to be playing in college tennis. <laughs> she had done. Yeah, but like. You know, she was in the Mission Impossible TV series, and oh, jeez, uh, you did deep so dive into her. I did, yeah. She's married to the uh, the detective with the dark hair. They were married. Oh. He, he passed away in '83, mm-hmm. ironically. Oh no! But, uh, oh, who are you? No. Yeah, Peter, you're yeah. wow. <laughs> so yeah, that was a fun little fact. Um, yeah, it, it seems like she was uh, probably an actress who was looking for a paycheck maybe i don't know <laughs> she had done the mission she impossible seemed, series about 10 years before she seemed really committed to the role she did like, i mean that par- the paralysis scene yeah for what it's worth she like worked her ass yeah. off for those moments she did i thought that waterbed death scene was pretty cool uh this movie's I got agree. some good some yeah. good like visuals and stuff like that and yeah i don't know overall like this, this is a fun movie so i i don't i had it built up bigger in my head for some reason i i didn't i never really liked the uh like giallo movies and some of these things from the 70s where it's like it really wants to be really 
graphic and gross, but then at the same time, you can see it's all kind of like rubber and latex and, and whatever else. But uh, this movie is a nice balance between some of that shit and more of like an 80s slasher movie type slasher. sensibility. And I just kind of like he, the, the gel of that. But, yeah. He hun. told me like all week that like I was going to hate it over and i was like we have to watch that other movie for the podcast he's like you're not gonna watch that it's gonna be awful and traumatic for you and i, I really didn't mean that this wouldn't be up your alley like i don't know but... i actually well, really love all it. your limbs yeah. We, yeah we watched it sunday night i think and that was like a great was it sunday night or was it last we watched night? it last night so that's wednesday Jeez, but close. it felt like a sunday night this week's awful <laughs> felt like five days ago yeah yeah here comes mary Kay place i'm like oh my career is so stressful <laughs> um, I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> okay. But... Uh, no, hon, I was, I was, yeah, you know, it, I it liked helped it. to have low expectations. It was a great yeah. weeknight movie. It was super entertaining and distracting. It's also, yeah, charming in its uh, cheapness yeah, and the, was... the bad dubbing yeah. and the, the yeah. hammy acting and stuff like that. Like I said, I love those cops. I love the goofy shit, like the the kung fu guy never being explained, or like you see a woman like <laughs> crashing into glass for whatever dumb fucking reason. Yeah. It's like a yeah. Reminds me of Wayne's World. Like it's just our job to walk back and forth with this panes of glass every. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I liked all that stuff. I don't know. And the killer is a dumb amalgam of shit and whatever. But I don't know. I yeah. It's not what I had in my head for whatever reason. I thought this was like kind of. In my head, I was like, this is seminal. This is like the best uh, combo of 80s slasher and more like uh, kind of grindhouse horror and stuff like that. It, it didn't really feel that way right now, but uh, I still. still how it how old were you when you saw it that made you think that? Uh, well, it's one of those things where like I just like saw a thing and I was like, oh, pieces, you know, what's that? Or, or it had a little bit of a cult following and then I got it. And, yeah, and it was probably, I don't know, it had to be at least 10 years ago, maybe 15. So mid 2000s, late 2000s like all right and and i probably hadn't seen a lot of that stuff at the time and maybe it wasn't as easy to get a hold of this stuff as it is now like tubi's got a shitload of movies just like this just on that service alone for for free so probably the fact i had to work a little bit to get it and whatever yeah i don't know and i was like whoa that was awesome and i still liked it it just wasn't that for me you know it kind of reminds me of those um movies that are like um what are like those weird current movies that are like murder slasher movies there's like <laughs> rose or what's it like it's names it's those name weird of, current movies that are like weird slasher movies the one annabelle x, or x like the one where they're oh yeah yeah the pearl. Pearl. oh x yeah. and pearl yeah. Sure, sure. Okay. yeah 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 reminds you of that reminds okay me. yeah I can see yeah. That. yeah i know maxine's coming this out is... pretty soon i can't wait for that one yeah, same. We should plan an epic day around it. We just passed the one-year no. anniversary of our last epic day. Oh, yeah. Peter, remember that where we went to a birthday I do. party and tried to get high and see Clark's <laughs> yeah. 3, which... Clark's 3, by the way, is my favorite movie of last year. I didn't see a whole lot of movies last year. I don't see a whole lot of movies anymore. And I'm like mostly just committed to watching these uh, 1983 movies at this point. But in my limited selection of like 10 new movies last year, I really liked Clark's 3. I'm glad I finally saw it. And I wish we would have seen it that night in the theater. I'm really still bummed about how that whole fucking it's thing gonna, went down. It's going to be fun to hear you guys do the podcast of that when you're 83. We've talked about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've got it all you're planned like, out. You're like, if one, one of us dies. Yeah. Me and my old lady tried to go to Clerks 3 40 years ago. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. And you'll be like, Ron, you've been telling this story every podcast for yeah, 40 years. Right. <laughs> 
I'm like, Kate, God rest her soul, died at the tender age of 48. I took up with a bunch of strippers and I don't know. I'm just kidding. That would never happen. What I would do is I'd go to a lake house reunion and. <laughs> Yeah, Mary Fuck Kate whoever's Kate. ovulating. Yeah, yeah see which fugly girl yeah. needs a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Here comes another, yeah. Want a, want a whole litter of babies in you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't need all this. All right, Peter, three stars for pieces from me. Uh, uh, it was a fun romp. <laughs> okay. Um, like, it's not a good yeah. movie, but come on, you were entertained. Yeah, right? yeah if, you're, if, you're, if you're giving it on the, on the entertainment scale, yeah, I would go I would go three. Um, if, um, but don't you even think, hold on, before you say it, no, no, before you say it, don't you think in terms of, like, the way these movies go and why people like them, that this yeah. is a decent, exp- like, I'm not even saying, like, campy uh, comedy. I'm saying, like, mm-hmm. when people go back and they're like, oh, what are some kind of gnarly slasher films of the 80s or whatever, like, at the time, this was probably considered fairly straight and, and normal or, or whatever, and it was probably more considered like gross and uh, daring and whatnot. Yeah. Like, I think this one's a good compromise between being too fucking nasty, but it also has, it like delivers the goods in, on that front. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Totally. So, how many stars, Peter? Uh, <laughs> four. <laughs> oh, God, you did not. No. <laughs> I would put it, I'd give it a three star for entertainment. And if I was being a serious critic, I'd probably have to give it one and a half, but oh. I don't want to be serious critic guy because the movie's a shit ton of fun. And like yeah. I said, I've never, that ending was so fucking great. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Agreed. All right. Uh, box office. Should we look at the right. 28th or the 23rd? I'm on the, I'm on the, uh, it's actually the 30th. Um, well, you know, that... pieces is not gonna like chart anyway. Might as well go to the the big chills opening. Weekend. Yeah, that would be this one. That's because it opened the twenty. Yeah, the thirtieth is its first week in the box office. So, number okay. one, we did on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, did we do it recently? <laughs> we did it so recently. <laughs> well, pieces. <laughs> well last time we did a bonus episode the time before that oh you're saying like right now it's big chill yeah yeah big chill how much did it make in its opening 3.6 million that's not a um lot. no not at all i was kind of surprised <laughs> uh it went on to gross 56 million domestically yeah i know it was a hit of some sort number two okay. is a confusing uh one uh because they're saying it's it's uh, second week in release, but that's not technically true. Uh, it's a movie we did back in the summer, and I think that we decided they did some sort of re-release of it or something. Oh, is it Mr. Mom? It is. Good job. Oh, love Mr. Mom. Yeah. Top five. We were not uh, huge fans <laughs> of Mr. Mom yeah. on rewatch, even though we agreed we loved it growing up. I was, you and I watched. I'm pretty sure you fell asleep. I watched the whole no. thing and. We watched it with the kids. We watched it with the kids. The kids hated it. No, we didn't. That's didn't oh, I think we tried to watch it. With we watched it in your kids. bedroom, and you fell asleep, and I finished it, and did this podcast the next day. We watched it and we wept. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Number, uh, <laughs> number three is a movie that I've never heard of, and I don't know if you have, so I'm just gonna say what it no, is. No, 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 no! Don't pull no. that shit. Just go. okay. Don't All right. Any, it's like, a, sort of... Okay. It's a Richard Gear Bob Hoskins film. Ooh. 
<laughs> it made 4.8 million domestically as a whole, but in this weekend, is it, oh, movie, is, is it Who Framed Roger Rabbit? It is no, not. Who Framed Roger Yeah, that's six years later. Two, but yeah, it made 2.2 2 million that weekend and only made 4.8 total. So, all right, you're right. Why don't you go ahead and tell me what that is? It's called the honorary, or yeah, the honorary console. Never would have no fucking idea. We'd have been here all fucking year. <laughs> exactly. Uh, number four is a movie we did on this podcast. Uh, it's in its ninth week of release. Um, Vacation. Nope. It, uh, I think it was, it might have been the same episode. I don't remember for sure. I think it was the same episode as Vacation, though. Give another clue. Um, uh, <laughs> um, hold on, I'm trying to think of the vacation episode. Uh, uh, it does take place in Chicago. It, oh, um, um, risky business. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, yes! Kate. Woo! Yeah. Number five is a movie we did a few weeks ago. It's in the so bad it's good category, and it's and it's wild and entertaining, and it's a canon film. Ooh, we did a canon film a couple episodes ago. Yep. And it's wild. And, and we've talked about doing a uh, doing the prequel of it for a bonus episode. Oh, Revenge of the Ninja. Yeah, motherfucker. After however many weeks, is still hanging out at number four. Is it what we're yep. at? Four, five. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Yeah. 1.6. Uh, Where's Deathstalker in all is, this? Deathstalker is down there at uh, 17th place. Oh, no. That <laughs> Pulling probably. in $500,000. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but it but it made like a ton, right? Relative to budget? Uh, like $11 yeah. million on a on a $500,000 budget or something? Yeah. Yep, $11 all right. million. All right, wow. number six and seven are both. I can remember that, but I week. can't remember fucking shit. <laughs> I know I'm. It's important. I'm bad at Turn. this. Okay. Um, number what six week, and seven, seven are new. Yeah. Oh, they're new. Uh, six and seven are new movies. Uh, okay. One I've never heard of. That is the one I'm referring to right now. It has Ray Liotta and Pia Zadora in it. Uh, oh, however, I know cool. nothing else about it. Yeah, I don't know what that is either. What's the movie? It's called The Lonely Lady. Oh. And uh, it went on to gross a solid 1.2 mil. <laughs> uh, number seven is a movie that I've seen before. Uh, it has Christopher Walken, and we thought about doing it for the pod, uh, but we did uh, these two movies. We did Big Chill and Pieces. Oh, so it's and it's got not, Christopher Walken. Um... It's, not, it's also uh, Natalie Dead Wood's Zone? last. Uh, no, it's not Dead Zone. It's Natalie Wood's last movie. I don't know what that um, is. Oh, it's a Brainstorm. Hmm, kind of science fiction. Yeah. Uh, number eight is hanging in there in its seventeenth week comedy. We did it for the pod. It's a Paramount Pictures Pretty release. Places. There you go. Good job. Nice. <laughs> Nicely done. Number nine. Um, you we guessed it. You guessed it before. Uh, also a comedy. Oh, vacation. Um, yep. Number ten, for fuck's sakes, it's in its twenty fifth week. 
I Star Wars? never remember. No, oh, that's no. number 11, but number 10 uh, yeah. is the movie that I would always forget when you were asking. Uh, oh. We never did it for the pod, but. Flashdance? Yep. In its 25th yeah. week. Jesus I love God. that movie. I never saw it. <laughs> I do like Jennifer Beale, though. Yeah. Uh, 11 is Return of the Jedi. Nice. Pieces, Pieces comes in at number 18. Oh really? I didn't even think it'd be on the, anywhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean that. Uh, yeah, that's pretty. Four hundred forty-five thousand. Yeah. It's tagged as a nineteen eighty-two movie, but according to box office stuff, it opened in in eighty-three here. So. Right. Yeah, but that's pretty good. I mean, I wouldn't think some crappy little import like that would have even cracked the right. box office top twenty. But all right. Well, we've been at this for. Solid three hours. Yeah. God. <laughs> All right. Enjoy the uh, editing, Ron. <laughs> always, always. <laughs> Everybody, please remember to rate, like, subscribe. Um, Peter, you got something for this? Uh, you know, maybe cut up some body parts and put different yeah. letters of the podcast on <laughs> them and letters. leave them around for the cops. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to suggest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Leave them in bags. Tell your friends about the big four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Next week, uh, we'll be back with The Dead Zone and Never Say Never Again. Yep. Now, now this is the James Bond movie outside of the James Bond franchise where Sean Connery comes back for some reason, but it's also a remake of, what is it, Thunderball or something? Of Dr. No, maybe? I don't, I don't, I don't remember. So it's a remake of one I, of those, yeah. So I have to rewatch two movies is what I got to do for next week? I don't think so. Yeah. So I know what the I fuck think... I'm talking about? Hmm. I think just watch Never Say Never Again. Well, we'll see how committed I am, I guess. Uh, all right. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, Kate, thanks. This was fun. You did a great job. Thank and you. I love Excellent it. job, yeah. Kate. Yeah. I love awesome. you as a friend. I love <laughs> you as a friend, too. Honey, if um, anybody ever asks to impregnate you, it's going to be Yeah, if I was ever looking to get knocked up, you'd be at the top of my list. All right. Excellent. I'll make sure I'm yeah. not uh, impotent. Better are you than me. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. PC and Fuego. Or what's PC your, and what's Fuego. Your email? PC Inferno. Oh. <laughs> I was, I don't know, jazzing you up a little bit. 22 yeah. or something. Yeah. Right, PC Inferno. <laughs> well, it's All fun right, to have another, uh, another guest again, and uh, we should do this more often with people. So, yeah. Start, Kate, start you're welcome out. back anytime if Ron lets you. Thanks. Yeah, Whoa. we'll probably have a talk about it later. <laughs> Not sure. Let me know you can come back ahead. anytime. Uh, I would yeah. like to hear your thoughts on whatever movie I watch next. Okay. I would. For real. No, I'm, I'm sure. Like, I, I'm, I'm, sure, sure you'll, be, I'm sure you'll hear them, I, podcast or not. I, I stuttered because I was like going to say the ones for this podcast. And I was like, I might see movies in between that. And I'm always happy to hear your thoughts. So. Oh, thanks, honey. Yeah. I like hearing your thoughts, too. And yours, too. All right. And fuego. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids. All right. Let's go to kids. bed. All right. All right. See you next Sleep week. Night. Bye, Kate. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.